available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods. Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. David and I are not in the same room right now. The uscfootball.com studios are being used by my other writers because they're doing their own podcast. So Dave and I are over Skype. We're not going to have the sound effects. It's going to be a little bit different. And, and Dave's upset. He thinks he should take priority over my team. I, I, I kind of agree with him. But frankly, I'm upset about a lot of things right now, Ryan. I'm upset about that. I'm upset about our connection, the connection between us. But most of all, I am upset because they've massacred my boy. <laughs> my beautiful boy. They Clay Helton. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that uh, in a few minutes. Some big news in the Pac-12. I wish we had some sound effects to to do some fun stuff. I also owe you a sick pack, remember? Yes, you do. You very much do. Yeah. I mean, we um, won't count I like will the... Need it. I will need it to drown my sorrows. <laughs> we won't count the mimosas I brought or the donuts or whatever. No, no, no certainly not. Or the, uh, the time and effort you put into this podcast every week. No. No, sir. <laughs> I will need my six pack. Yes. Um, all right. Well, if you guys want to send us, maybe don't send us an email because we, I mean, I think we got like 30 of them this week, Dave. I, there's a lot. Uh, you can, no, we're, I'm not, I don't want to discourage you. Please send us emails. We love them. Pack to a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can call or text us, leave us a voicemail, 424-532-0678 or text us. This week, we're not going to play the voicemails because I don't have the equipment with me. So we'll just kind of read the transcripts and give you a, an idea of what the people were, were calling in on. So our apologies for that one. Um, you can tweet us at Pac-12Podcast or go to our website, Pac-12Podcast.com, where you can check out all of our old episodes. I'm putting a lot into that blog right now as far as, like, here's our picks, here's the power rankings, um, the survivor pool, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to put all of that in there. And, and David's doing a great job of overseeing it and not not really looking at it, but probably thinking about it, I would assume, right, David? Like, you, you, you keep I- it in the back of your mind. Yeah, I would say it like it it tickles the back of my cerebellum every now and then. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, yeah. And then the most important part, and this has been wildly popular, uh, Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone, iPad, a MacBook, whatever, you can go use that Apple Podcasting app. It's the most popular place to get podcasts. And uh, leave us a five-star review. And it's the it really helps us the more five stars we get. And Jockey's been amazing, and they've provided us with a bunch of, I mean, $100 gift cards, David. Like, we are literally giving away $100 a week to listeners for leaving us a five-star review. And, uh, yeah, we, we got another one to send out um, from this week. So, 
Uh, where do you want to start with, Dave? With uh, I don't know how many reviews we got this week. I think we've got five. I mean, okay. that's my guess here. I think Jeremy and Mapleton is the last one we read last week. Um, okay. I think so. So we're on to Jen's 2010. Great show. Excellent podcast. I especially love the regular segment where Ryan and David congratulate themselves for their consistency in delivering the podcast each week. Thanks, fellas. So here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that's an old review. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a review from several years ago when we actually did do that basically yeah, every week. But it does show up as now. It shows up as a current review. Maybe somebody copied and pasted that because they didn't want to put in the work, which I respect. That could be a winner. That could be a winner. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to keep we used that to, We mind. used to do that. Like when we yeah. there were, we'd go months without doing a show, you remember? And then it's true. We just like, I don't know, we just buckled down and said, all right, we're going to do it. Yeah, we buckled down to do this intensive labor every single week um this is from travs fuller uh five-star review a return to football i must admit i was negligent in my listenership during the 2020 season it was a strange year that invited disaffection from a podcast i frequented during years prior also my team in school ucla hadn't been quality for any season during the chip kelly era and i grew discouraged Anyway, the Podcast of Champions offers a thorough recap of the weekend's football, along with a conspicuous sense of humor and fun. David, one of the hosts, is a delightful bearded curmudgeon who describes his daytime job as, quote, soul-crushing, that leans into lamentation and pessimism, and whose kindred spirit is something akin to Eeyore. Ryan, the other host, is a devout Trojan. He is not really a subdued critic of Clay Helton, our dearly departed friend, an assessment which, is sum- which he is summarily incorrect about. Clay should remain in perpetuity. He's the coach the SC community deserves. Together, Ryan and Dave have wonderful chemistry, and when the Bruins are good, I always find it an entertaining listen. That was a, a very nice review. Far too sincere, I would say. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound like a listener. No, honestly. Um, <laughs> he, must be, he must be mixing us up with somebody else. Uh, this is from DC in LA, a five-star review, uh, five-star great unbiased review of the PAC 12. However, I give these guys a five-star for three reasons. These guys said that they would read anything we write in. If we give them a five-star rating, they have a jockey sponsorship and I want to win. They announced the winner on the show and their word is final. Hey, before I continue this review, I think we should announce the winner for the best five-star review. And the winner gets, <laughs> gets the uh, gift certificate for jockey. I think jockey underwear is the most comfortable, best-made undergarments. Jockey brand is a name that you have relied on for years, all for good reason. But did you know that jockey is more than just men's underwear? They have a full line of shirts, socks, thermals, bras, casual wear. Go to jockey.com or visit your local retailer. Going back to the review, I don't think we even need to read the rest to say that Danny's review is by far the best and therefore wins the jockey gift certificate from jockey. Jockey, more than just underwear. I also think, based on his review, that Danny must be a handsome man who probably is a multimillionaire during the day and also fights crime at night. <laughs> I believe Danny has superseded um, our, uh, our reading of the reviews uh, for many reasons. I think that's going to be our winner, but let's I see. So. <laughs> this is from Taintality, a five-star review. POC, I was going to say something witty and backhanded, but realized I'm panhandling for underwear. <laughs> now I'm having an existential crisis. Thanks. P.S. Ryan has won Price is Right. That's that's pretty good, too, Taintality. That's also true, yeah. Uh, this is from True Monkey, five-star review. I want Jockey. I listened to this podcast, and the host said they would give out Jockey to someone who gave five stars and a good review, so hand it over. Oh, wait, the review. Um, they are a glutton for punishment, so 
Brian and Dan seem like they really want you to remember their names, so they repeat them twice at the top of the show, and I'm still not sure I got their names right. I've heard better Pac-12 talk on This Is Important, Episode 27, Have You Bought Our Merch Yet? podcast by the Workaholics guys. At least they talked about the beavers because that's another word for vagina. All right, was that cruel enough? All right, well, yeah. the obvious winner is DC and LA. DC and LA, like, this is a landslide. But they're, I mean, some good ones. We love them. Uh, oh, yeah, you all were amazing. We love you all. Uh, DC and LA, uh, send us your information. And, it, you know, I don't mind, like, I know we, we, we don't even listen to the intro. We just say what we say at the beginning, and the intro already says that. So, I don't know, that's just been our tradition of what we do things. But there's p- podcasts I listen to, and you're not really sure who the hosts are, and they just kind of start talking. I like people to like introduce who you are if you don't know who they are. I mean, there, there's not, you guys have our regular listeners, but there's going to be people that don't listen. You're like, I don't know who these two clowns are. So at least, at least they'll get an idea, hopefully, of who we are. Yeah, I, I feel the same. Um, and like some people skip intros, like I do, um, if it's a particularly long intro, and ours is friggin' long. Have you ever, like, again, we don't listen to our own show. Uh, you know, it's just the way we are. Our intro is insane. It's like a minute long. Why are we doing that? I don't know. It's good. Because somebody, could... somebody else did it for us is really the answer to that question. Uh, that's true. That's also true. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, we might we might be changing our intro and some of the, you know, stuff. If uh, George Klyovkov ends up uh, turning things around, we, you know, we'll get that more homes in the Pac-12 network thing out of there potentially. The thing is, and the thing I would keep saying, though, is that's always going to be true. It is true, but it's more about, you know, what we're going to give him a the benefit of the doubt on this one oh, if we boy. if we like the way he's going oh you know? boy i can tell where your bread's getting buttered <laughs> i told you i liked me it was it was great talking to the guy i like uh, look as i've shared many times on this show we can be bought yes we are not too proud yep. never too proud to be bought and it's funny too when you go in it's just like completely different where if larry scott wouldn't acknowledge your existence and the new guy's like hey i'd like to talk of you know to everybody about what you guys have to say like it's just a completely different feel like all right i at least he's trying you know yeah that's that's true we like trying we uh, like okay here on the podcast of champions we don't, don't have my we don't do it ourselves but we like effort right we we appreciate effort from afar but right. don't we don't dip our from, toes from into a, that and from effort. like a real distance we appreciate effort <laughs> yeah we're not swimming in the effort pool or no. dipping our toes in um so i would say uh, since we don't have the sound effects, we're going to have David do them today. Uh, can you give me the breaking news one, David? What's ours? Ours is like, burr, burr, burr. I right? I don't think that's it, but Whatever. sure, we'll go with that. Um, I think it's dead on. Yeah. So we're two games into the season. There's been exactly one conference game played. Uh, USC is one and one. We'll get to that game. We don't want to spoiler alert. But the we'll get the to one game. conference game has been played by the team we're going to be talking about in just a second. Yes. Uh, so, you know, one and one, typical, you know, in early September, we see this happen quite a bit. Uh, the Trojans fired their head coach. <laughs> Clay Hilton is gone. <laughs> it's actually the true way you know that fall has begun. You know, you see the leaves turning colors. Kids are going back to school, and USC is once again firing its head coach. It's yeah. truly a beautiful, beautiful sign that I, I nature is doing. Yeah, I tweeted out, like, you have to know how to spell interim if you cover the USC beat for any length of time. There's been a lot of 
interim head coaches. I think uh, Randy Edsel, though, was the first one to go. Like, he retired, and then UConn just said, get get out, like you're gone. Uh, so, but yeah, he's got now. I'm kind of pissed at us because, okay, think about a week ago. Or just go two weeks ago, David. If I said, give me the odds, which head coach lasts the longest this year or the shortest? Nick Rolovich, Herm Edwards, or Clay Helton? Who would you have said? Two weeks ago, Rolovich. Yeah, maybe like a week ago. A week probably ago, Rolovich. probably still Rolovich. Yeah. Two months ago, Herm Edwards. Two months ago, Herm Edwards. But really, those are all like we were bouncing around too much with the breaking news because the real answer, and it always should have been, was Clay Helton. Clay Helton, yeah. Um, so he is gone. And, and not, not because of his lack of performance, frankly. But because they're just the unrealistic expectations of USC's fans and boosters. Yeah, we're gonna we have to get into the little Stanford thing or anything. But just I'll give you like the real like we'll get some David stuff, but I'll give you some you know <laughs> real insight. <laughs> uh, just from what we've heard around the program, I mean, you know, we get it's I've been able to talk with Mike Bone and Brandon Salsa. They're basically the two dudes making the decisions, and they you know. Again, different than Larry Scott, like, you know, Lin Swan wouldn't talk to anyone. And these guys are, you know, they know how the game is played and they're willing to talk to people. And not like they're going to divulge everything, but you can get some insight into what was going on. I don't I don't think they ever came out and said anything bad about Clay Helton. But you could tell, you know, they were basically handed like it was like a anchor. Like, like, hey, you have Clay Helton. He's got this huge buyout. You can't fire him yet, but you're going to be able to eventually. And. I, you know, with the pandemic, that sort of bought him more time. And you felt like this year, and I've said it from the beginning, like they got to do something really good. You got to win the Pac-12 championship or he's going to be gone. I didn't think it would happen this quickly, but from hearing stuff afterwards, that the fact that USC invested a lot into the football program, like they, they make basically hired his assistant coaches for him because he wasn't very good at doing that. And they brought in better support staff and, uh, David, they did stupid stuff. UCLA's probably just done stuff like this too. Like to cut the field, like Howard Jones Field, the practice field, they just let like the guy that cuts the the library grass cut the practice field. Like let someone that does like sports fields do it. So they switched that. Like I think the athletic department came in and fixed a lot of really stupid things that USC was doing, which is it's baffling that they were even any what success any successful at all. Um, so they put a lot of resources into it and basically said, okay, everything around Clay Helton is way better. You have an easy schedule. They're all Saturday games. The first five games you should win for sure. Um, you were 17-point favorite, and they were down by 29 points in the fourth quarter. Just absolutely blown out by what I'm sure David and I are talking about. We still think it's a bad Stanford team. Well, well um, okay, all right. Pump the brakes for just a second because yeah. what you're talking about is maybe the team of the decade, the program of the decade in the Pac-12, Stanford. Right. Uh, okay. It's but, it's. Is there any shame in losing? By, by we're gonna get to the. Let me do the real stuff first. <laughs> we'll get to the fake stuff. So the, so anyway, the I feel like there were these like checklists that they had to do, but I think they I think the administration just wanted Clay to go five and zero oh, and then see what happens against Utah and Notre Dame. And all that kind of stuff. And just losing that poorly. And to be fair, like the Coliseum's not usually some great atmosphere. It was cool on the 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 uh, Saturday night. Like they turned the lights out. Um, you know, that was neat, like to see people's phones and stuff in the crowd. And they had a good crowd. The, the student section was really rocking. And they actually created a fun environment there 
uh, which I give them props for. But then USC like lays an egg and they're terrible. And then everyone's leaving. Clay Helton gets interviewed at halftime. They're booing him. And I feel like this was the year where they weren't going to be able to put up with trying to work their way around the Clay Helton's head coach. Like they've done that in the past where like sort of avoid who the head coach is. Um, so it just became so toxic that they pulled the trigger. And I, I'm going to give them props on this too. USC broke the news themselves. Like Mike Bone tweeted it out. It didn't get out there beforehand. And all of us thought like once Clay Helton did his press conference on Sunday, Sunday night, he was going to stick around. But you know, everyone, we all knew this was the end. Like th- that was, there was no way he's going to survive that, but we just didn't think it would happen that quickly. So I'll give the administration props that they kept it under wraps and, uh, but yeah, now Dante Williams, um, he was the associated coach. He's taken over, and they got to go on the road and take on Washington State this week. So it should be fun. But okay, get to the other stuff now. But I just wanted to—I wanted to give people like. I'm just—I'm just saying. Of course, it was a shock to everybody, and USC was able to get ahead <laughs> of the news because nobody could have expected this. Right. Nobody could have thought that USC's head coach play. Uh, look, valiant effort. I mean, we're going to recap this game, but. They outscored Stanford in the fourth quarter by eight points. (laughs) True. I mean, what are we talking about here? This is Stanford. This is coached by David Shaw. David Shaw had had Stanford. Stanford on the brink of the playoff. Not not even ten years ago. And you're you're sitting here denigrating Clay Helton for losing that game. Frankly, I think it's unbelievable. Yeah, but um, so we have our first uh, coaching search in the Pac-12. I don't. Do you want to talk about? Davis has some funny trolling tweets. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why you're thinking they're trolling. <laughs> uh, USC has, I, and I think this is just a statement of pure fact. Has two two <laughs> prominent alumni who have spent time head coaches on NFL sidelines who are still in their prime. Jeff Fisher, Jack Del Rio. If I'm Mike Bone, I just pick one of them. Either one, frankly. I mean, Jeff Fisher, that, that's a guy who's coached in a Super Bowl. And you're sitting there laughing. You're sitting there scoffing. I don't know why you would denigrate alumni of your fine institution in such a manner. I think they're great choices. You also, but you know, a, a really successful defensive coordinator for USC, Clancy Pendergast. You know, <laughs> I think he's now, uh, he's working at like a, a lawn care company now. But I feel like he could come back. And uh, do some great things. No, but um, he's coaching the Super Bowl too. All right, he's coaching the Super Bowl. Um, If those top, well, let's call that the top tier. Yeah, right, right. Okay, okay. All right. So they're not available. They're not available because there's a lot of job offers. And we're saying you obviously you you knock on Norm Chow's door and oh yes, right. Yeah, make him come out of his Manhattan Beach uh, condo and see yeah. what's going. Where, on. where he's, I, I think he was most recently an offensive coordinator in the XFL. Is that right? Yes, something like yeah. that. Um, he was. I think he does live in Manhattan Beach. Not a condo. He's like right, a right. nice house. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. nice, no, make, super nice make, guy. I love talking to that guy. He's great. You make him say no, and then right. where do you go, Ryan? So the obvious top one, or like the one just because Mike Bones already hired him, is Luke Fickle um, at Cincinnati. We've seen AAC school like coaches kind of struggle when they go to the next level, but he's had a lot of success. Cincinnati is though moving to the Big Twelve. Um, he's a Ohio guy through and through, but that's the name that's always going to come up first. I like Matt Campbell at, at Iowa State. Um, he's just you know he was at Toledo before. He's built a, a great program there. No one, I think, a lot of people have wanted Cincinnati. 
like no one's won at Iowa State. So uh, that says a little something. Um, you know, there. Bill O'Brien's name comes up, the Alabama offensive coordinator. I'm not a big coordinator, hang on, guys. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I, I'm going to break kayfabe for a second. Yeah. That's yeah. the sound you make when Bill O'Brien's name gets brought up. I, I don't like it either. But let me ask you this one because I've – I so for me, like USC's bungled this so long, I think you almost have to get a experienced head coach. You know, that's Yeah, maybe, I mean, I, I don't think you take a chance unless you miss on a bunch of these guys. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about – Like Eric Bieniemy. Like Eric Bieniemy. Like no, what do you think of him? I don't think you can do Bieniemy uh, because, first, I think there's some reasonable reason to be concerned that he's not actually the offensive coordinator even. Like he's yeah. not really doing that. Um, and beyond that um, – Bienemy in particular, I know for a fact, has some baggage. Um, and I think USC, in the light of the other stuff, you know, that USC has been up to as an institution in the last 10 years, has to avoid guys with baggage, too. Yeah. Um, which I always thought, I mean, I know Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer. I think that's, I mean, and we'll see. There's some other rumors percolating about USC right now. But um, that's why you kind of have to avoid him, too, because there's baggage. But Luke Fickle... Um, Matt Campbell, um, both of those make a ton of sense because they're at they're at obviously lower tier jobs. Um, the thing is, like all the stuff about getting James Franklin or getting um, God, whoever. Uh, what was the there was another name that I think Joel Klatt was putting out there that was just oh Lincoln Riley. Uh, These are coaches that are already at institutions that are more or less more or less. I'm not you know even trying to denigrate USC right here, but more or less already at the same level. Um, like Penn State, you can go to New York Six Bulls and win them. Um, Oklahoma, obviously, you go to the playoff every year. Uh, there's no real reason for those guys to move on to USC. Um, but Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, those make sense. Um, you don't really see guys going from like top 10 elite job to top 10 elite job anymore. That doesn't really happen. Yeah, uh, I think James Franklin has an active agent. Um, yeah, he wants a raise. Yeah, there's a lot of people are getting raised. PJ Flex name has come up. Uh, I'm not sure. He seems kind of. I've never been sold on him, but honestly, I didn't think he was going to do well at Minnesota, and he's doing pretty well there. He's doing well. We're gonna, we'll talk about their team a little bit later on. Um, you know, like the Chris Peterson stuff comes. You know, Chris Peterson and Bob Stooper, Stoops are both working in Los Angeles right now for Fox. Well, Cup so. Not to not to <clears throat> provide some advice to Mike Bone, but like one thing I've learned over the years with like UCLA in particular, but just generally watch following coaching hires, um, going after like the older kind of guy who's already gotten to the peak. Um, there's a real worry that they've lost that fire. I think with Peterson, it's I mean, I mean, Peterson and Stoops, they both basically quit, like just kind of retired. Um or I, would either of them, even if they accepted the job, have that fire in their belly to actually go out and perform again? Um, you know, guys like Fickle and Campbell, they haven't yet gotten there. They haven't yet gotten to the pinnacle, and you've got to imagine there's still some driving um, motivation for them to, uh, you know, get out there and recruit. Because, like, look, Pete Carroll was a, a more or less failed NFL coach, which is, I think, a big part of why he was such a, you know, uh, driving incredible recruiter at USC. I mean, that dude was already in his what mid fifties when he got that job or early fifties or whatever. Like usually you're starting to, you know, lose that a little bit, but I think he was motivated by having been perceived as a failure. Um, I, I think that kind of motivation, especially if you're, you know, going to a job where it really, really does behoove you to have a ton of energy in recruiting. Um, 
you got to have that fire in your belly. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I think those candidates do have some fire. Uh, the, the one thing in general, like USC's just had terrible athletic directors before and all of those, you know, facetious uh, options that David was throwing out there were real. You know, and I, well, and that's, I, I, that's the dark part that like the, the, the ones who are um, enjoying the trolling, like the USC fans who are enjoying it, they're like, What's what sucks about this so bad is that like these absolutely would have been the names like eight <laughs> years ago if uh, you know any of those ads had still been in charge. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, Mike Bone has a pretty good track record of making hires. At least they put the work in, and they're not just going to hire someone that you know is around or whatever. But you know, what would we'll what would be the funniest hire? Uh, like ironic or like would mean like um, just like which one would feel like the most of a piece with uh, USC of the past? Like, oh. God, it's so hard to like figure. It's got to be like Hugh Jackson, right? Someone like that, uh, man. Like it's, but it would be like a realistic one. Like they would actually could actually happen. Like, but they yeah. What's I guess given your assessment of the situation, what's the funniest thing that could happen? Oh God, um, I mean, I think getting turned down by a lot of people would be, you know, and I think you, you might hear about, I think they're going to interview people. So you might hear about a lot of this stuff. Um, it would be more something like James Franklin, like agrees to it. And then, and reneges and goes back to state or something like that would be pretty funny. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Like, I know I've joked about him, but like, it wouldn't be Jeff Fisher, but Jack Del Rio, he's still like, he's 58 he doesn't have the like insanely bad rep that Fisher has from the NFL. Yeah. He's still a defensive coordinator at the NFL level. I mean, Fisher's done. Yeah. So I don't know like that one. Like if they fell down to like their seventh pick and they just are like, I don't know what the hell we're going to do. Jack Del Rio, baby. Yeah. Uh, but Dave's going to have a lot of fun with it. So make sure you follow him. On I would laugh. I would laugh forever. If it was Jack Del Rio. <laughs> I would, I would actually never stop laughing. Even if he turned out to be really good as a college coach for whatever reason, I would never stop laughing. It would be pretty funny. But, yeah, like he could end up being uh, – it. there are so many bad ideas out there. And then people – you know, I've, I've had people like tweet me or – and like they're just very strong opinions about why it could never be this guy and why it always should be this guy. And like there, there's a lot of Eric Bieniemy fans out there. And I, I mean I think – yeah, I mean, first of all, Dante Williams is the first African-American head coach that uh, USC's had. Um, so he'll be there, you know, for most of a year. Uh, but, you know, Eric Bieniemy would be, you know, the first permanent one. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I mean, there could be some real positives there. But people are like, that's the guy's a grand slam. I'm like, I don't think you can call a grand slam. He's never done a job before. Like, he could well, end up being one, but you I, you can't possibly know that right now. Yeah, and my whole thing would be he's been the offensive coordinator for um, – a guy who's like famously basically handled his own offense, uh, Andy Reid. Yeah. So like if you're Chip Kelly's offensive coordinator, do you, do you do anything or are you like, yeah. And, and, and to be enemy's credit, he, I mean, he was an awesome recruiter, um, when he was at the college level. Um, I mean, he's why Maurice Drew ended up at UCLA. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's certainly some merit to it. I would just, I'd be leery of it from the offensive, standpoint because you might think you're getting a guy who can handle that side of the ball and i just don't know that that's true um because again he's just kind of worked under um an offensive mastermind and andy Reid. yeah um okay let's see uh before let's get to our um let me see where the crap the uh i gotta find the 
uh, survival pool um, results here. Let's see. Here, you say something while I look for this. All right, Ryan is looking for the survivor survivor pool uh, results, which will be interesting because Ryan, um, as we discovered last week, is no longer in the I'm survivor no pool. In. However, <laughs> I am. Um, I uh, once again emerged victorious after uh, Washington State's momentous victory over Portland State, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still a participant. I'm still active. I'm still ready to go. I'm raring to go as long okay. as I remember to put in my pick this week. Yeah, I got it. We'll get the pick. I, you forgot it last week. I should have let you just not do it. Um, so Dave took Washington State last week. We had so we had 281 entries and 198 of them were eligible for week two. Uh, a bunch of people didn't pick in week two. So uh, 49 people. So they're out. Uh, but if you didn't pick or if you're out for some reason, please don't submit a pick because Matthew has to go through that and tabulate it and then find out that you've already missed your one. But um, there was 144 winners for week two and 104 of them, like David, picked Washington State. So ride that FCS train. 23 took Oregon State. It's a little risky. And then 17 took Arizona State. Two people picked USC. They're out. Two people picked Utah and they are out. And one person picked Arizona. And Matthew put some question marks and exclamation points after that one. Um, but what would, while we're here, who is your pick? For week three. I don't know. I haven't even looked at the games yet. Okay. What the hell was that? Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I can do this pretty quick. Uh, give me... Oh, dude, is this the week to take Arizona? Will they actually beat Northern Arizona? If there's, if you want to win the whole thing, you almost have to pick Arizona this week. Like, oh, If you want to go God. 12 weeks. Oh, God. Ah, I'm going to go Arizona. Oh, and when, when else could you pick them? I don't know, but like, do I really think this is going to go all 12 weeks? Because once you get True. into conference play, it's a bloodbath. Yeah. And also, like, Oregon State. When am I going to feel super comfortable picking them? And they've got Idaho this week. Yeah. Oh, Oregon State. I mean. Or Cal, just, frankly. Cal's got Sac State. Oh, yeah. I got to do it. I got to do it. I'll take Arizona, but. Ugh. And you sound yeah. like you feel great about it. Oh, I feel terrible. Uh, sweet. Okay. So, any other news? I think we're good. I think we're great. I think we've never been better. I think we're yeah. uh, pumping on all cylinders or something. We are. So, now, now we got to do the Pac-12 power rankings. We're going to count down from 12 to 1 and uh, talk about the game that each of these Pac-12 teams played. The bottom was pretty easy. The top was pretty easy. The middle was just a mess right like what i mean total mess you could almost do these in any order yeah it doesn't Um, really matter yeah we're gonna need a couple more weeks to figure out the middle mess and uh, who knows like we thought that the top and bottom were a little deeper and then it all that all got messed up too so we lost there was some erosion at the top and the bottom and it became the slurry in the middle that we don't know what we're talking about uh all right so first up uh this was actually a big game number 12 we have washington that that anything yeah that's good okay cool cool cool. uh this is on all right no 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 we're not previewing games yet dave this is the (laughs) this is the bloodbath from last week you got me all screwed up because now i'm looking at uh, god ryan always with you um yeah washington got uh demolished in much the way we thought they would um you know we both predicted that uh washington was going to not cover 
Michigan was favored by seven, and Michigan won by three touchdowns. Um, Washington looked like poo, real bad poo, diarrhea even. Uh, they couldn't run the ball at all. Dylan Morris isn't very good. And uh, frankly, their defense uh, looks absolutely disgustingly bad. Uh, just got run all over by Michigan. Disgusting game. Washington looks horrible. John Donovan should have been fired already. Yeah. Um, I don't know Actually, why maybe Jimmy Lake should have been fired already. Yeah, this is bad. And you know what was weird, like leading up to the game? Because I think... And I tried to like sign up for one of those betting services, but like you can't in California, there's like laws. I would have to like convert stuff to Bitcoin or something. I don't know. It was not, I didn't end up doing it, but I was going to bet, you know, a bunch of units on this game. Uh, the way we, you know, we, we were right about it. We like, there's no way Washington's going to be within seven points, even though Michigan, you don't have a lot of confidence in them. Um, it was like all the people I saw picking games were just like, on uh, game day and everything, they're like, yeah, Washington, take the points, you know, and I, I don't know where that was coming from, but it was like a lot of people were thinking that. And I'm just like, maybe we're wrong, but Jesus, it just doesn't seem like people, this could be close. A lot of people hadn't been watching Washington. They didn't watch Montana and they just thought it was a weird one off. Um, that's, that's a, that's a horrible offense. So bad that it makes the defense worse and the defense yeah. is great. Um, you know, it's funny, and it could have been worse. Like, Michigan was up, I think, 3 nothing, and then they were going to punch it in, and Washington gets a goal line stand at the one. And uh, so, I mean, you knew Michigan was going to do stupid stuff like that, but it didn't matter. Like, Washington wasn't going to ever going to be able to come back in this one. Uh, Michigan went for a fake punt in their own territory in the first quarter, which is pretty funny, and then uh, they get the first down, and they – they hand it off and it's got a 67 yard touchdown run. So it's like Washington gets this goal line stance and then gives up a fake punt and a 67 yard touchdown run. So, um, you know, it, it was just one of those things where it's like, I, th- I thought Washington could get a spark. They went for it on like fourth and inches in their own territory and end up getting it. Um, but then they had a fourth and four, they handed off, it got stuffed. They're, Washington, like you said, just did nothing. Um, it was going to be like a war of attrition where just Michigan was going, you know, I didn't think Michigan was great, but they were going to be significantly better than Washington and seven points was never going to be enough. So um, I was a little worried because I was like, what if people know that we don't, but we were definitely right on this one. Yeah, very much so. Um, okay. So yeah, that was one of the, yeah, we got a couple. No. Yeah. There was three of them that we both picked and we got right there. Uh, our number 11 team is the Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was, that was that was pretty good. We 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 both got this wrong in a big way. We both got this so devastatingly wrong that like I was kind of picking against San Diego State sight unseen, uh, but this looked like I don't know every other San Diego State team I've ever seen uh, except week one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Week uh, one they were not good, but we've seen that in the past and it changes. Right. Um, so. This game was over at halftime. Uh, San Diego State, well, I mean, honestly, you could say it was over earlier than that. But it was uh, 35-7 at halftime, finished 38-14. Uh, San Diego State put it on them just to, basically to start the game. Touchdown, touchdown, and then blocked punt touchdown. Uh, it was 21 nothing. with, what was that? Was that the end of the first quarter? Not even. It was at the seven-minute mark of the first quarter. Um, uh, Arizona looked bad. Um, it, you know, maybe a little bit worse because of that block punt touchdown, but they couldn't stop the run at all. Um, San Diego state 
only threw the ball 15 times, ran it 55 times for 271 yards. So the per rush average, you know, wasn't super high, but they were just able to do that all game. And then on the offensive end, uh, Arizona couldn't get anything going. Uh, couldn't run the ball at all, but also uh, quarterback play was very poor. Um, the confidence that Jed Fish showed in Gunnar Cruz uh, abated um, after game one. Uh, and Will Plummer was brought in. It sounds like Will Plummer is going to start the next game. So there's still very much a quarterback controversy, but not the good kind where it's like a, a real strong competition. More just um, both guys are pretty bad and they have to figure out which one is uh, worse or better. The offensive line looked terrible. Um, yeah, Arizona looks uh, very, very bad. Um, and BYU might have been some sort of, uh, you know, opening week. BYU is a little bit sloppy or whatever. Um, this was ugly. Yeah, it was. And uh, I'm going to give so this was sort of similar to what I saw the early part of the USC game, like the fans were fired up. People were excited. Arizona put a lot into this and they've they've invested around jet fish to get people excited. And it was it just looked like a cool atmosphere and everything. And the social media game has stepped up like everything coming into this one was like Arizona, like they were just like you just felt like, oh my god, they're they're just so excited, they're ready for this, and then you realize it's still a crappy team <laughs> because San Diego State came out and just punched them in the mouth. Um, like you said, it was like fourteen nothing, six minutes in, three and out for Arizona, punt blocks. I mean, it was just they were zero and ten for their first third downs. Arizona, like they could not move the ball, and San Diego State was doing kind of whatever they wanted. It just every little thing was going wrong for Arizona. So it's sort of just like, I don't know you're, you're all dressed up with, you know, like just look like, wow, you look like you're going to the Met Gala and uh, you know, you're, you're walking into Applebee's or something. It was, it's so, it was just not, it didn't match like what the environment was like from what I was seeing. And you know, you feel bad cause they really tried to get fans excited and it's great that they were, but I don't know how excited you can stay if you're going to get punked like this. We, we had some, you know, there was some uh, hope that they played BYU as tough as they did week one, but this was not close. No, no. And um, shout out to uh, Arizona's game management for really screwing up how you get into the games because apparently that was a zoo too. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, see Yeah, I saw some okay. photos. Where it was like 10 minutes before kickoff, and it was just this sea of people waiting outside of the exits because they were doing uh, insanely lengthy bag checks, it sounds like. Oh, I didn't, I've missed that part, but it's just, I mean, they had a lot of people there. I mean, they got, and maybe that's why there was like, yeah, too many to handle. Too many yeah, to handle. Jed, Jed Fish pumped him up too hard. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to our number 10 team, Washington State Cougars. Uh, is this, are we going meow or are we oh, going real I think, you, I think you got a meow still. I think the whole season's got me meow. Meow. Was that uh, good? You like yeah. that? I like it. Good. I'm a little yeah. bit. I'm a little bit hoarse. You know, it wasn't great. Uh, Washington State beat Portland State 44 to 24, so that's better than losing uh, to Portland State. Um, yeah, I mean, what can what can you really say? Jaden Delora looked fine. Um, you know, they ran the ball okay. Uh, I wouldn't say the defense was any great shakes against Portland State, uh, no. but you know. They, they more or less did what they were supposed to do against the Portland State. Um, and now we'll see if they can do anything competently against the FBS competition. It was, uh, for the, it was pretty close. It was like 7-7 in the second quarter, you know, um, 
Washington State was up 7 nothing, and Portland State scored. But then Washington State did score three straight touchdowns, and it was 30-10, to 10, um, you know, at, at the half. But they definitely, Portland State definitely hung around for a while. We didn't get to pick this game because of the, there was no spread. You really wanted Portland State in this one. What is it? It was a 30-point win. Do you think the spread would have been more than that? I don't know. It ended up being a 20-point win, and I'm almost certain they would have been favored by, like, 24, right? Oh, 20-point win. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, would, I would think it was more than three touchdowns. So, yeah, you would have probably got this one. Yeah. Um, but you did. Oh, by the way, I, I won this week. Did you know that? Oh, come on. Five to four. Five and four, and you were four and five. But you're still up a game overall. Yeah, damn right I am. We're right at the 500-ish ever, uh, level. But uh, we didn't get to pick this one. So, But, yeah, Washington State, let's see what you do this week uh, with a conference game. And our number nine team, really disappointed here, California Golden Bears. No. Uh, yeah. It's not more a like dog. That. More <laughs> like that. No, no, I just know it's a, it's an abrupt growl, uh, oh. but it's got to be a growl. Oh, it's like, yeah, there you go. You're nailing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this you is a really. sound like the California Golden Retriever is the first thing you did. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a really disappointing one for Cal uh, because it felt like they had, they'd had a really good game plan in place. Uh, they were up at halftime. Um, really just kind of lost this at the end. Um, but offensively, you know who was back in this game? You know who was back? Chase Garbers. Our, our boy Chase Garbers was back. He was running. He was throwing. He was doing everything he needed to do to will the team to win. And they just couldn't pull it off in the end. Um, but they covered, uh, which is something that I didn't predict they would do. This was actually our, uh, our rubber game, Ryan. This is what tipped it. I think Oregon State was our rubber game because this was an early game. Whatever. I don't care. No, uh, this was, yeah, early on. So this was the one I got. We, we split on, on one of the early ones. And Cal like got a pick six to start the game, and it was great, I think. Um, and uh, but they gave up a long touchdown run like thirty seconds before half. They did some stupid little things in this game. That's why they lost. Like they, you know, failed to you know get the two point conversion at the end. They missed extra points. You know, it's you know go for it on two early. But that run right before the half, I figured they. I think they screwed up their drive, and then they like punt and. Um, they, like, yeah, they allow this huge run, like really like with 30 seconds left in the half, you just think maybe that, you know, they'll come down and try to kick a field goal or something, but TCU gets a touchdown run and it sort of was just like, what? Like Cal wasn't more in control of that game until that happened, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. Very sad. Uh, and Cal's defense was good at the beginning and holy cow, their third down defense was horrible. Like. Um, they were, they were like they were doing pretty good. They would get a negative play, and it would be like third and long, and then they'd give up, you know, a 15 yard pass or something. You're just like, what is going on? So that this defense definitely gave up some big plays. If you looked at the game and you watched the whole thing, and maybe didn't look at the score, you're like, okay, Cal's should be winning this game. But then they just kind of let TCU hang around, giving up some of those big plays. Um, yeah, I, I think you know, offensively, we saw a better team. Um, you know, in Cal, but it, defensively they just gave up a they gave up a lot. TCU was running down their throat. Um, well, couldn't uh, keep them off the couldn't get them off the field. I mean, when you look at yeah. the play disparity, Cal finished with fifty four total plays. TCU finished with eighty one. Um, just 
you can't have that. You can't deal with that kind of efficiency and, and hope to win. What was the the first downs were like way lopsided. It was like 30 first downs. 30, 31 to 16. Um, and TCU was 10 of 18 on third down. Cal was 5 of 13. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a big problem. But even so, like Cal still should have won this game. And uh, just disappointing. You know, it was great. Um, great that they cover. Good teams win. Great teams cover. But um, – this was this was one that the Pac-12 could have used, and that was a, you know there's two of them that were you know against Power Five opponents that the Pac-12 could have pulled the win out and did not, and this this was disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, we got our number eight team, USC Trojans, Shoot. and our number seven team, Stanford Cardinal. <laughs> our first conference game. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we have to talk now because all right, we've talked a lot about USC. Uh, are are we reassessing Stanford? Okay. Uh, I'll give you the. I was on the field afterwards, and RJ Abadia, you know, the former bootleg publisher, was. I was standing next to him, and I was like, "He's oh, they, you know, USC just got blown out." I mean, RJ knows Stanford well, um, and I'm like, "Is Stanford good?" And he's like, "No." So, I, I mean, I'm still pretty confident that this, this is not a good squad. Kansas State, the team that they got blown out by in week one, got by Southern Illinois by eight points. So, I don't think Kansas State's great. So, you could say, well, Kansas State's amazing. That's why Stanford got blown out. Certainly, teams get better. Now, David Shaw, I felt like maybe he was sick and they <laughs> put someone else out there in his place, like sort of like put a David Shaw mask on because – First of all, he started the right quarterback. He didn't go to, you know, he didn't put the the worst one in, which, you know, David Shaw. I know, I was actually shocked by that. But the this is, and even RJ was like, I don't know if I've ever seen this. Let me picture this. It's fourth and goal for Stanford on the USC, like, six-yard line. Of course, you're going to kick the field goal. Obviously. You're up, up and, you know, you could punt, but you, you go with the field goal. And... Shaw doesn't send the punt team out, sends the field goal team out, and kicks the <laughs> short field goal. Now, USC lines up offsides. So now you're fourth and goal from three. Uh, you're, you know, just take the points. I mean, as a head coach, probably you and I would just take the points and walk away. Uh, if it's to the one or something, like maybe you think about it, whatever. But it, so you're like, okay. David Shaw takes points, Stanford points, like the rare occurrence of Stanford points off of the board, tells the scoreboard guy, hey, Take that three down. I'm not going to punt. I'm going to actually go for a touchdown. And from the three, not the one, and they get the touchdown. This is not the David Shaw that we know. Um, But it was a, I mean, as poorly coached as Stanford was against Kansas State, I thought they did a a much better job uh, against USC. I just want to get that one out there and get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that was definitely um, uh, 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 David Shaw turning over a new leaf or maybe being on um, some illicit substance. Uh, Either way, not the one we know and love. Um, But what I would say is I think with Tanner McKee, they don't look like uh, nearly the disaster they look like in week one. But I'm still not prepared to say they look anything close to good. Um, Even in this one, I mean... it wasn't like they were dominating them on the ground like Stanford of old. Um, it was actually kind of shockingly and weirdly explosive plays uh, like that Nathaniel Pete long touchdown to start the game. Um, so and, you know, defensively, they weren't really able to stop the run. Um, this is more a case of just USC looking uh, 
you know, terabad. Um, Tanner McKee, though, certainly looks like a quarterback who can play. Um, and whether that, you know, carries forward into games against non-joke, um, you know, where... So were you following as the, like, USC defensive players were, like, celebrating, um, like, just these completely, like, uh, unimportant plays throughout the game when they were down by, like, four touchdowns? Uh, I think I saw some of that. I didn't really... It was beautiful. Take that was note, that was yeah. like that, that was like later tier Jim Mora UCLA teams, like just <laughs> defensive backs celebrating after making a tackle twenty yards downfield. Um, but yeah, no, I mean Stanford certainly um, looks a little bit better than they did in Week One, but I think that's about all you can take from it. And uh, how USC looks going forward is also going to be an unknown because we know how they look like with um, you know again breaking kayfabe. Um, a head coach who's not very good. Um, will Dante Williams be able to motivate motivate them? Do kind of the Ed Orgeron thing? Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, but I, I mean, the whole thing is is Stanford good? Like, it's, you know, um, they're gonna have a you know, tough road game this week, so we'll see. I, my gut is still like Stanford's not good. You know, um, people are like calling me out, like, oh, you said they were a butt and blah blah blah, and I was like, yeah, uh, I, I'm not convinced they're not. So let's see if they turn it around. That's cool. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff you're going to be wrong. I thought Washington would be good. I mean, that's wrong. Like, they're, you know, I predicted them to do good things. They are just, their offense is way, way worse than I thought. I think Colorado, even though, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit. I, they look way better than I thought um, they would look. So we'll, we'll talk about them. Uh, and, you know, we'll see about Stanford. I still think Stanford can be bad. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay. So that was uh, eight and seven. Our number six team. Oregon State Beavers. Um, is that right? Uh, that sounds awful, but okay, sure, we'll go. Wow, dude. <laughs> Haters are going to hate. They will do nothing but hate. Um, all right, so Oregon State, um, this is another one that I got wrong and Ryan got correct. Uh, I don't know why I thought Hawaii would do okay. They didn't. Um, Oregon State won uh, 45-27. Uh, Hawaii came on a little bit late, but um, I thought Oregon State mostly controlled this one. Chance Nolan, uh, I thought, did really well throwing the ball. And they ran it all over him. Uh, B.J. Baylor looked great in this one. Um, you know, defensively, Hawaii was able to get some offense going sort of through the pass. Um, but Oregon State did a pretty good job against the run and uh, mostly controlled this one. Looked pretty good. Yeah, Oregon State could have really blown this out. I think they were up 24-7 or something, and they had a long touchdown pass, and it got called back for a hold. Um, but the Beavers were super efficient. Nolan, I thought, was efficient to start the game. Um, the second half, they got a, a pick and a score. But the Hawaii just was like, after, you know, at that point, like later in the game, Hawaii just was like almost unstoppable. So I was a little concerning to watch Oregon State's defense late, and uh, what was the spread? Yeah, this was so. This was the late game, and this was this the was, one. I think eleven and a half or ten and a half, something like yeah, that. Yeah, ele- it was eleven, and uh, and Oregon State like missed. They screwed up extra points or something. I forget what it was, but it was it was one of those things when you're watching this point spread and the team that you're you're on like screws up the extra point somehow or doesn't get a two point conversion. You're like, that's going to cost you. And late in the game, Hawaii had this spread tied like a couple of times. And then Oregon State, um, you know, scored again and pulled away. But I was going to be bummed if it ended up being a, a push because this was our this was our, uh, you know, our rubber game. But um, a little concerning the way the Oregon State defense wasn't able to 
you know, you had a quarterback that could run and, you know, they were completing passes. And uh, But early on, the Beavers looked great. So um, we'll see if they can maintain that for four quarters going forward. But they looked good for a while, and then they just started, like, giving up a lot of points. Uh, okay, this is a little disappointing. Our number five team, Utah Utes. So, sort of. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with it. I, I'm, I'm good with that. All right. Uh, yeah, Utah uh, finally lost to BYU. Um, how long had this streak been going on? Nine games, I believe. Yeah, they finally lost. Um, probably the most disappointing and shocking thing about this one was just um, BYU being able to just kind of run all over Utah. Um, they had uh, 46 carries for 231 yards. So it's not like they were getting, you know, seven yards a pop, but this was pretty consistently being able to get what they wanted on the ground, um, which is disappointing uh, for Utah. Um, and then, you know, offensively for Utah, I thought, you know, not very good. Uh, I think quarterback play is going to be a weak spot for them this year. Um, Tavion Thomas was not the absolute stud he was in week one. Micah Bernard, though, looked pretty good. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going to come down to they need to be able to stop the run, and they really weren't in this one. Yeah, I didn't really get to watch too much of this because it was like right at the USC game. I mean, you know, Brewer only had like 147 yards uh, passing. Um, you know, they split up the carries a little bit. Uh, I Pledger only got one. I thought I thought Pledger would end up being like the back, you know, but like he, T- Thomas looked awesome in week one. But like you said, uh, you know, for whatever reason, week two, Bernard was the one that got uh, the majority of the carries. But just, you know, they no receiver did anything, you know, uh, like one guy had a 37, you know, Kincaid had a 37 yard reception. Like it wasn't like you had like a, some guy go for a hundred yards or you had a go-to guy out there. It just, it just, from what the parts I saw, I just never saw, it seemed like Utah was, was getting things clicking and, and BYU was like sort of just able to have the lead. And if Utah started to crep up, they could score again. Um, it just, just a little disappointing. I mean, it, it you start off at a hole as, a, you know, Utah was down early and then just never were able to climb out of that. I think they, you know, scored some points in the fourth quarter. But outside of that, it just seemed like Utah never got it going. So just, this was a disappointing one for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, yards and stuff were pretty close. Um, Utah had more yards per play, but uh, <laughs> they only had nine third downs. BYU had 11, was 11 for th- 19 on third down, and uh, Utah was 2 of 9, and an 0, and 4, 0 for 2 on fourth down. So, yeah, you got to make those key plays when you're on offense and keep drives going, and Utah was not able to do that. Uh, okay, so, but that's our number five team. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, like, that's our number five team, team that pretty much didn't do much against BYU. Um, I guess last week we got Arizona up higher because they – played BYU close. Uh, they were closer than Utah was. But still, that's our number five team. Uh, our number four team also lost <laughs> Colorado Buffaloes. Sure. Uh, I like it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Colorado, um, I won't say controlled this game the entire way through because I think it was um, mostly... You say that. Will you? Would you say that? It was seven to three for approximately seventy-two hours. Like, no, right? like it was no a- <laughs> college football game is under control when it is seven to three. It is it is out of complete control. 
Um, but it was. Colorado was in the lead, um, and then uh, Texas A&M scored a late touchdown. But um, I think, okay, I'm just going to take the positive from this because, look, Texas A&M, who knows? Um, they were without uh, their main starting quarterback for most of this game. But uh, Colorado's defense looked legit. Um, they were more or less able to stop the run most of the game. Um, and, you know, uh, okay, he's a backup. He's a backup SEC quarterback, and they handled him pretty well, too. Um, really, it just came down to Colorado wasn't able to do much of its own offensively. Um, you know, they ran the ball okay, Brendan Lewis and Jarek Broussard, uh, but just weren't able to score points after <laughs> after the first quarter. Um, and uh, they they really needed some more points, Ryan. They, they needed They needed to score a few more. Like they, four specifically. They cowed this one up, right? Um, that really impressed by Colorado's defense. They were firing early. The AM quarterback gets hurt. Um, I mean, Texas AM, I don't know if they had a first, like, I think they might have got one first down. They were like 0 for 3 on their first third downs, had to use all their timeouts. Um, there was a good amount of Texas AM people. They played this one in Denver, but, you know, I think it was a pretty good Colorado crowd. Um, you know, five minutes in the second quarter, Texas A&M had used all their timeouts already. They just weren't figuring this out on offense, and I think it was because the Colorado defense was uh, really confusing them and pushing them around a little bit. Uh, I thought the line play, Colorado was winning, but it was sort of like this war of attrition, and just, you know, 7-3 just seemed like it lasted forever. Um, and then finally, Texas A&M broke through and scored, you know? Um, but, you know... It, uh, it looked like he scored, but he fumbled at the one-inch line. That was crazy. You remember, like, it looked like Texas A&M was going to take the lead. The, the, the quarterback is lunging for the, the end zone, but he's down. Um, and he fumbles at the one-inch line, which was crazy. But that, Texas A&M did eventually score and take the 10-7 lead. And when you watched Colorado's offense, I mean, it literally looked like you bought 11 guys out from, like, a playground somewhere that were soccer players and said – Here's a sport called football. We want you to play this. And they didn't look like they knew what the hell they were doing. It was like I had zero confidence that Colorado could have scored at that point. And they had so many opportunities throughout the game with a lead to try to score and, and get a little bit of breathing room. And they never did. And that was concerning to me. Like, I don't know, Texas A&M's defense is probably pretty good. But Colorado's offense looked anemic for most of that game. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Colorado, I still have some concerns probably about Brendan Lewis. Um you know, he hasn't really I was impressed with him in basically one game's action last year, and he hasn't really shown me much this year. Um, so that's that's a question mark going forward. When you got that, you can hold a lead for a long time and you have you know, like a quarterback that can move a little bit. Um, you can be on your own schedule, right? Like you, you don't have to like, oh, you're down. We have to you know, it's third and seven. We have to throw a long pass or whatever it is. I mean, you can just kind of go like, oh, we'll run a draw. You know, if we get the first down, that's cool. Otherwise, we'll punt. We got the lead. But once they got down, it looked like everything was pressing. And, um, you know, now oh, you have to throw the ball. And it just seemed like, nope, this isn't going to happen. So I don't know. But, you know, hey, that's our number four team <laughs> that, lost, that scored seven points. Um, that's where we are. Our number four team scored seven points in the game and lost. Okay, our number three team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> that was probably our best one. I started doing the voice for the 
the thing, and I think that helps gets you gets you into it a little bit. Yeah, no, I need to I need to be primed. This pump needs priming. Yeah. Um, I mean, but for this game, did it really? Did it really need priming? Uh, ASU played with them for a little bit. Uh, it was fourteen to ten at halftime, probably way closer than it should have been, and then uh, pulled away and crushed them in the second half. Uh, really shouldn't have been ever that close. Um, you know. UNLV wasn't able to do anything offensively, really. Um, this is just kind of Arizona State not taking care of business early. But they ran it all over them, threw it all over them, um, and pretty much kept them from doing the same. So uh, really, uh, looking at the key stats of the game, it should have been a game where ASU actually did cover the 33. They just didn't quite do it. Yeah, it was, I mean, but it was close early. Like, UNLV was hanging around, and... Uh... We've we've nailed these like Arizona for absolutely with, no reason were they hanging around though like they really okay. shouldn't have been at that point. No, they're they're a bad team, but we knew that you know ASU's their their mo is not going to be to win by eight touchdowns, right? I mean, we just it was a thirty three half point spread. We both said UNLV, UNLV, boom, nailed this one. This was an easy one. Um, yeah, we don't really know much about Arizona State yet because they're playing cupcakes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, looked fine. They looked fine playing cupcakes. Yeah. Go play so, some real teams now. We'll get, get hopefully some real ones soon. Uh, all right, that was our number three team, a team that we hasn't played anyone yet, because but they won, so here you go. Uh, number two, UCLA Bruins. <laughs> and uh, they got to enjoy, just watch. You know, when they were around, like the Pac-12 South was doing good. They take the week off. And the Pac-12 South goes to crap. So they took a sure. rest. They took a rest from carrying the banner of the league. They did, yeah. Um, but you know, in their in their absence, our number one team, Oregon Ducks. Quack 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 quack. Um, yeah, the the Ducks quacked all over Ohio <laughs> State. Um, it ended up being a one score game, but really, I would say Oregon controlled this one uh, throughout. Um, this was the best I've ever – well, not ever. I saw Chip Kelly run the ball pretty well up there. Uh, this is the best I've seen the Cristobal teams run the football. Um, the way Anthony Brown was running the RPO game, just the reads that were being made, but just the the way the offensive line played was just so good. Uh, 38 carries for 269 yards, 7.1 uh, yards per run. Um, C.J. Verdell, uh, best he's looked ever to me. Um, and Anthony Brown played uh, the best game he's played in an Oregon uniform. Um, it, you know, if you look at just the stat line, 17 to 35, uh, you know, that's not super accurate. They were trying a lot of stuff downfield. They were trying to test those Ohio state corners. So there was just a lot of, you know, throw it up and see if your guy can come down with it. And they, he couldn't. Uh, but overall I thought he played an excellent game. Um, Ohio state. I mean, that's a great offense. Uh, they were moving it, especially once they got kind of untracked after the first half. Um, but Oregon just kept answering, kept answering. Every time Ohio State would come down and score, Oregon would have an answer. Um, it was really, really, really impressive. It's why we moved them to number one, because our inkling is that Ohio State's probably a better opponent than LSU was for UCLA. But it was very similar what was happening in this game. Yeah, that team with its high-level athletes would throw something out there. But then each time Oregon, in this instance, but last week with UCLA, would respond. Um, respond with their answer. Um, it was a really, really impressive game. Oregon looked incredible. I think it, it does um, make you reevaluate your takeaways from the Oregon-Fresno State game. I'm really interested now to see how Fresno State looks against UCLA this week because they just might be truly legit um, because Oregon 
very much, I thought, um, uh, uh, took it to Ohio State better than they took it to Fresno State. And yeah, they did it with a little bit more of their offense, I think. I think they might have been trying not to show a ton um, against Fresno State, just judging by the run looks they were giving. Like, it was really some detailed and awesome stuff they were doing, um, but it was really fun game to watch. Uh, Oregon looked great. I, yeah, I thought it was uh, just a really impressive performance by the Ducks, and it's one of those things where you look better week one to week two. We saw Ohio State have some early struggles against Minnesota, and Oregon proved to be a better team than Minnesota, and we're able to take advantage uh, of this. And this, you know, that was on the road for Ohio State. This was at home and a huge, you know, loud environment. I mean, to, for Oregon to go in there uh, and do what they did, super impressive. I mean, if you watch Ryan Day's teams run the football, um, I mean, similar like when you watch UCLA, like there's great run blocking. It just seems like schematically they do a good job. And Oregon, without their two best defensive players, were still able to slow Ohio State down. I mean, they had a 99-yard TD drive, um, and they almost got a second one. They had a second one that started their own one. Uh, you know, Ohio State was kind of uh, getting some good punts in there. Um, I think when Ohio State ran some tempo, the Oregon defense struggled a little bit, but for the most part, they shut down the run. Um, they gave up some passing yards, but uh, you know, Stroud had a, a big game, but they made enough big plays in the passing game. Like you could say like, well, the secondary was bad. They give up a lot of yards, but they also made some big key plays, including that interception at the end. Um, so being able to shut down the run, pretty much like allowing him to, them to pass as much, but then making like key stops when they needed to, uh, they were able to pull this one out. Like, the cover part, I don't think was ever in question once you saw how this game was going in the beginning. We both took Oregon. They were getting 14 and a half points. But then you start realizing, like, Oregon can win this game, you know? And uh, and they did. So it's a huge win for the conference. You know, two weeks in a row, you know, UCLA beating LSU uh, and then Oregon beating Ohio State. This is what the conference needs. Um, you know, those early out-of-conference wins to give your the whole conference some validity. Um, now they just need to stop the cannibalism um, <laughs> of, from happening. But you know, right now we got two clear teams at the top, Oregon and, and UCLA, and we'll see where they go from here. Absolutely. Okay. Why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break and come back, and we'll preview this week's games. I'll, I'll try this one, Dave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. We are back here on the POC. We're doing this a little different. Um, Ron Dirty is how we would say it. Ron Dirty? I like it. Ron Dirty. Ron Dirty. That's a roll like uh, riding dirty. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so we're going to do our picks against the spread. David already did pick Arizona for the survival pool. Make sure you get uh, your picks in if you are still alive. 
And uh, let's just let's go down the list, Dave. Um, do I, I do this right? Okay, so Minnesota will be at the Colorado Buffaloes. I'm not going to do the sound effects again, or should I? Did we do the do we do the sound effects uh, usually at this point? Uh, I think we might, but let's not do that. All right, this is at 10 a.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Minnesota traveling to Boulder. Colorado's a two and a half point favorite. Um, Minnesota, we last really paid attention to uh, when they were competitive against Ohio State, but ultimately lost by 17 um, or 14. And then they beat Miami, Ohio by five last week uh, at home. So they're traveling on the road to Colorado. We just watched Colorado play a very competitive game against Texas A&M, one in which their offense basically didn't do much, um, but their defense looked pretty good. Give me Colorado. I'll take them. All right. Um, This just, you know, this is more for because I picked Colorado to be terrible and then the Colorado fans are going to get on me. Um, I'm going to go down. You're going to double down and go Minnesota. I'm going to go Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. One. um, I don't know if you know this, David, but if we if you just when we do our picks. uh, I believe week one. If you took the points every time, you'd have been eight and three. And I think in week two, you would have been eight and two. If I'm not, it's something like that. Like only, you know, it's all the underdogs have been. These trends, these trends don't carry, Ryan. They don't. Okay. But if it's, if it's on the, if I'm on the fence, I'm going to take the points because you're going to take all two and a half points. I'm going to take all two and a half points. Oh yeah, Um, baby. Do it. Yeah, I just that Colorado offense just not did not look very good. So that's concerning to me. Um, okay, next up we have Idaho at Oregon State. No line on this one. This is at twelve thirty. Uh, is it televised? Um, it might be Pac twelve Network. I can't even see that on the ESPN oh, thing. Hang on, me, hang on. Let me get me. Let me get my. Uh, it LSU is on the Pac. It's on Pac twelve Oregon, not Pac twelve Network. Okay, so it's, it's only on the Pac-12, Pac-12 networks. One of the one of the many, uh, one of the pow- proud, one of the few. Uh, Idaho, uh, who knows? Oregon State, they'll kill them. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just don't think. Uh, I I like the way Oregon State played against Hawaii last week for part of it. I don't think Idaho is going to be able to do much of anything. So the Beavers will roll. We don't get to pick this one. Um, what do you think a spread would have been? Uh, I don't know. Oregon State by four touchdowns. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a second conference game, also involving uh, USC. USC at Washington State. No one will be watching this because they'll all be tuned into Pac-12 Oregon to watch Oregon State Idaho. But at twelve thirty on Big Fox, USC will play the conference's second conference game of the season, um, <laughs> going at Washington State. Why is USC doing this? Like, why Why did BYU suddenly get a Notre Dame status where they get, like, a midseason non-conference game? Yeah. What happened here? Uh, anyway, USC is favored by eight and a half points on the road uh, against Washington State. Ryan, I want your thoughts on this one before I provide my own. Sure. Um, so I did Pac-12 radio this morning. Um, I think it was Roxy Bernstein and Ryan Leaf and uh, – we were talking about this a little bit. I'm like, you know, when you're when you're talking about stable programs, this this is this game's going to epitomize that, right? You know, Washington State and USC, and uh, it's pretty funny. And David, um, I'm sorry, Ryan Leaf, he said he called it the Chaos Bowl, and I'm like, I kind of like that. Can I? And and Roxy asked if I could use it, 
Ryan gave me permission. So let's call this the Chaos Bowl. Um, Nick Rolovich, again, answering questions this week. Uh, he got grilled by one reporter. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, over and over and over again about if he was going to get the vaccine. And, and Rolovich just looked like he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. He looked like a scared child. Yes. He looked like it, like somebody who's being berated by their parent. Yeah. Um, I, I almost think that he's going to leave the job as soon as the day – the, the day he like it's whatever the deadline is like October 18th or something that he has to have the shot by. I feel like he might quit at that point. Like he's like, yep, I'm not, I'm going to be compliant. I'm not going to be the head coach anymore. Like I feel like I almost feel like that's what's going to oh, happen. Oh yeah. No, the, the profound conspiracy brain was evident there. Yeah. It's super conspiracy brain. Um, they look better uh, last weekend. I, I don't know what's going to happen with USC. Like if USC goes up there and blows them out, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, that's shocking. Like, uh, obviously, they could do no, that. No, the, the only big takeaway then is that Dante Williams needs to have the interim tag removed. <laughs> That'll be great. Um, but, again, like, if I'm not if I'm not even thinking about things, I'm going to take the underdog. Washington State at home. There's just so many things that could potentially go wrong with USC. Uh, traveling with a, a brand-new head coach that, like, basically had to go to practice yesterday with the exact same practice plan Clay Helton had because you don't really have a chance to change anything. So I'm going to take uh, the Cougars in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm all over that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly the circumstance where USC could uh, go up there and schlack them. But um, I think Wazoo, um, you know, I, Pullman on a, you know, sunny afternoon, eh, probably not an intimidating environment, but whatever. Uh, USC's weird, and uh, they can lose games like this all the time. So, yeah, in yeah. Washington State. I mean, I mean, Washington State could really come out. I mean, they lost to Utah oh, they State. Could, they could suck. They could suck real hard. Uh, yes. It's just hard to know. Hard to it's know. It's hard to know. But th- that's why there's the Chaos Bowl. So, uh, Chaos Bowl, there's chaos. Give me the points in the chaos. Yeah. Um, Sacramento State at Cal. This is a 1 p.m. or I'm assuming it's also on the Pac-12 network, probably the Bay Area one. Uh, Sac State traveling to Cal. Cal's 0-2 now. Uh, I've got no line on this one, so give me Cal. Uh, yeah, this is also, this is like you said, it's on Pac-12 Bay Area. Uh, no line. This is where Cal, like, gets a really important win, you know, against another Bay Area squad. Uh, powerhouse in the Bay Area, you would say, Sacramento State, right? Uh, no, okay. So, <laughs> Cal wins. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Arkansas State. Uh, they got a big win against Texas this past week, right? Or is that, or is that a different team? <laughs> different, different, different Arkansas. Oh, okay. Arkansas yeah. State at uh, Washington. I assume Washington's good this year. I haven't watched lately. Yeah, I mean, they've been. Yeah. They've been. Yeah, I'm assuming. I'm assuming <laughs> they're good this year. I had a TBI, so I don't know. Um, this is uh, 115 on the Pac-12 network, Arkansas State traveling to Washington. Washington is a 16.5-point favorite, which is really interesting because I think this year now they have scored a total of 17 points. I was going to ask you that. I was like, that's about how many they've scored all season. So are the odds makers predicting that Washington will double their point total in this one and win this 17 to nothing? <laughs> uh, give me Arkansas State. I, I No idea. Absolutely no idea what Arkansas State is bringing to the table, but I do know that John Donovan remains Washington's offensive coordinator. And with that in mind, yeah, the same team that scored seven at home against Montana, I think they could they could be capable of that against Arkansas State. Yeah, uh, I, I was like, 
know, I, I kind of feel like Washington's going to bounce back a little bit. But that's just too much to ask. Like, you really think they're going to win? I mean, they if could. If you want to I say mean, this is Washington minus 10, I'll get on Washington. But almost 17 points? No way. <laughs> yeah, no way. as many as they scored all season. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully they could, you know, for the Pac-12, you want Washington to bounce back. But, um, again, if you're any doubt, just take the points because that's what's been uh, that's what's been producing for the first couple weeks. Um, so it probably means it won't this this week. Uh, next up, we have Utah on the road at San Diego State. Yes, this is on at 4 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Utah traveling to Carson to take on San Diego State. Uh, Utah's a nine and a half point favorite. Um, again, I'm going to take San Diego State uh, sort of on the same principle as Ryan. Not just generally I'm taking the points, but against Utah. And um, not really knowing what to make of that Utah offense yet. Um, I think I've got to take San Diego State here. Because San Diego State, look, we have two data points on San Diego State. Both against pretty bad teams. But they won by 18 and they won by 24. Um, and San Diego State historically is a team that's not designed to like just blow teams out. Um, so uh, I think Utah can win. I think they might win. I think they probably will win. But I think San Diego State's going to hold it pretty close. I agree with you, and uh, we've both picked Utah through the first two weeks to cover, and they've not in both times, so it's not a, the only reason to switch, but nine and a half points, it's on the road. San Diego State looked like they got better in week two. Utah didn't. Um, can Utah bounce back and have a great road win and win by 21? Sure, but I don't know that's going to happen, so give me San Diego State here. Yeah. Uh, there's something that's called a Stony Brook. And that okay. is that's going to be playing at the University of Oregon. So Oregon's going to be taking on forces of nature <laughs> uh, at 4:30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Oregon's taking on Stony Brook. Oregon's number four now. Stony Brook is not. Uh, Are I don't they know ranked? Is, uh, no, no. There's no. There's no. There's no number attached to them. Um, uh, I mean, as far as like forces go, like where does water rank against fire, earth, and wind? Uh, I mean. Pretty powerful, I would think. You know? I think so. I mean, wind is obviously the most bullshit one, right? Because you, yeah, you can, yeah. Wind Earth, Earth. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Earth is kind of inert, so I think it really comes down to fire and water there. And water trumps water, fire. Yeah, exactly. Water quenches fire. Um, so, so I think I mean, you're talking about the probably the number one ranked force here. <laughs> Um, against the Ducks. Uh, There's no line on this one, so Oregon wins um, probably closer than it should be because, again, they're going against the number one ranked force. But Ducks do well on the water. That's true. That is true. Um, Certainly better than they do against the wind. You know, like the wind is blowing hard. Ducks aren't, you know, they're not super into flying, right? No, they, they fly a little bit, don't they? Ducks? Yeah, they fly. Yeah, they fly. The hell am I talking about? I, okay, the ducks fly. Hey, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> it's like it's not an ostrich or something. Or <laughs> I don't know what's going penguin. on here. Flamingos? What am I thinking? <laughs> Flamingos can fly, can't they? <laughs> I don't know. What are the flightless birds? There's like a penguin. What else? Ostrich, like emu. Ostrich. Emu. Look at you. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Probably some what is that? An ornithologist? Is that what you are? <laughs> is it dodo? What did they fly? I don't know. Uh, Okay, so yeah, Stony, Stony Brook, whatever the hell they are. This is like an SEC early November slate where everyone's oh, playing. It's so bad. Here. This is such a bad week of football. 
I was trying to hype it up, but it's really awful. We're, we have, we can only pick like half the games. Yep. Um, Stanford taking on Vanderbilt in Nashville, baby. Oh, Stanford of the West against Stanford of the East. Uh, 5 p.m. on ESPNU, Stanford traveling to Vandy. Both teams are one and one. Uh, Stanford is a 12-point road favorite. Uh, Vandy, uh, it's important to keep in mind that while they beat Colorado State last week, they did lose to something called East Tennessee State, I think, in week one. Is that what I'm looking at correctly? I believe so. Yeah, East Tennessee State, which I believe is FCS. Um, they lost them 23-3. to So that's a big JFC. Uh, little code for Jesus fucking Christ right there. Um, 12 points, though. 12 points to David Shaw team. God! Oh, on the road. How do you do that? Like, I, I, want it. I want to take Stanford because it could be that, you know, Vanderbilt's again under the threshold of bad or chaotic enough that Stanford really could take it to them. But also it's Stanford under David Shaw. Um, yeah. Shit, man. Can uh, I help you if I tell you what I'm doing? What yeah, go, doing? go, go, go. Okay. So I don't know if, if I picked Stanford – to be a road favorite, <laughs> 12 points. Like when I my head hit the pillow, I don't think I could fall asleep. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sleep soundly picking Vandy and could be completely wrong <laughs> and wouldn't care. But I know I would torture myself if I picked Stanford. So I am picking Vandy and taking the point. I'm into self-torture. Give me Stanford. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> And and I have to stick with my I stick with my guns and say Stanford is still butt. So I think they're uh, still bad. I, I just Vanderbilt might be otherworldly bad. Uh, Barton Simmons from our network is now working at Vanderbilt. Uh, good luck, Barton. <laughs> yeah. Um, good for him. But yeah, I miss I miss Barton, but yeah, he's he's working in college now. Uh, okay, something an NAU, um, whatever that is, is at Arizona. 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Northern Arizona, traveling to Arizona in Tucson. Uh, I don't see a line on this one. I'm sure there actually is going to be one or is one. Um, I didn't see uh, one either. I looked also. I'm taking Arizona to win. I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, Arizona should win. But, like, I mean, what? I, I don't know what the, if the point spread was more than, like, 10. I, don't, yeah, I, I might don't go. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't even want <laughs> don't to think know. about it. But, like. I think Arizona's get their win. Um, the fact that you picked them in your survival pool just seems dumb, but go ahead. I mean, whatever. You know? <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll kill you. That's not a threat. <laughs> not a real one. Did I just get threatened on the air? Yeah, he, um, okay. he did. Somebody's going to report me. Okay. Uh, is that our third or fourth one with no line? Jeez, one, yeah, two, we've got a lot of FCS this week. That's our fourth week. game with no line. Holy crap. A lot of FCS this week. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Arizona State at BYU. All right, at uh, 7.15 on ESPN, this should actually be a good game. Uh, and naturally, it's going against, like, maybe the one other good game from this entire goddamn evening slate. Um, uh, ASU, number 19, traveling to BYU, number 23. Uh, ASU is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite, so just first off, give me BYU. Um, and second, uh, I don't, I don't really get that. Um, I don't either. BYU looked pretty damn good against Utah. Um, and maybe just shaking off some weirdness against Arizona. I don't know. Um, ASU hasn't played a real game yet. Um, so, yeah, give me BYU. 
Yeah, ASU hasn't played a real game. With I think this could tell us like, okay, ASU's formidable, you know, which I think they Yeah, it could be. be. Yeah, and they totally could. It's just BYU has also looked much much better than I thought they would this year. Yeah, after that the first game. So, I I, I think you're playing percentages here early on and uh I mean, a lot of the times it's just going to say take the points and play the percentages. Call, so I, call this one a pick 'em because that's more where I think this one is. Yeah. So, you know, if Arizona State wins by a field goal, you still win if you pick BYU, you know, and I could certainly see that. So, yeah, give me the three and a half points is too yummy. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one, nightcap, Fresno State <sighs> at the UCLA Bruins. This is a game time that would have killed me uh, when I was living in Atlanta. Uh, 7.45 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, Fresno State traveling to number 13 UCLA. Uh, Fresno State uh, has beaten the absolute piss out of Cal Poly and UConn and then lost a very, very competitive game against Oregon on the road. Uh, Fresno State might be really good, um, or they might just be good, but they're definitely not bad. Um, they're definitely not below average. Uh, this is a at least, at the very least, average to above average team and possibly much better than that. UCLA, on the other hand, we have seen them in two games now. Won a true blowout over Hawaii. Won a semi-blowout over LSU. Uh, They've looked really, really good as well. Um, Fresno State's run defense is pretty good. Uh, UCLA's run offense is the strength of the team. It's going to be interesting to see which uh, one kind of takes the cake here. My guess is that UCLA's is good enough um, to take, take it to a Fresno State run defense that wasn't good last year and looks good so far through three games. Uh, you know, maybe there's still some some things to identify, some weaknesses to exploit. So I think UCLA is going to be able to control it on the ground enough to cover UCLA minus 11 and a half. Um, so I will take the Bruins. I think they win this by like two touchdowns. Um, I think it's going to be probably feeling more like a competitive game than either LSU or Hawaii, though. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be kind of feisty. Um, I like the way Fresno State is playing. Um, UCLA's got a you know the bye week though, get some get some rest in there. Uh, yeah, I, I think UCLA by fourteen or seventeen, something like that seems seems about right. Uh, they play good defense. They're going to run the football well, and so I'll take the Bruins and lay the points. I think that's the only un, I mean uh, only favorite I took, or it's close. Um, so yeah, so I'll uh, I'm going to take a lot of points here, but I, this one I'll lay the. Eleven and a half, and go with the Bruins. But I will say this: caution for UCLA fans, because I know a lot of you are listening to the show. Fresno State is good, and if there is going to be like a trip up game or something like that, this could absolutely be it. Um, yeah, they're they're legit. Um, I'm counting on UCLA looking exactly like the UCLA team that you know played LSU and, and Hawaii. Um, but if they're not, if they're a little bit down for this one, just keep an eye on it. All right. All right, so those are our previews for week three. Let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, get to your questions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. We're back here on the podcast of Champions. Got David Woods alongside me. Hope you had a good break, David. I had a um, lovely break. It's been a long show. We're like an hour and a half in, and we haven't even got the questions yet. I know. It's brutal. Um, how are we going to do this? We're just going to like... Where start. did we leave off? I think we were at... Um, I think it was uh, that text message from 360. I think we're down there. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it's, way, it's like, yeah, because we were, and we might want to skip that. There's some people talking about their uh, reviews and stuff. Um, but I think the pot, maybe the podcast pity party uh, okay. apology from Ute, Ute fan Chad. He said, Champions, after you read my five star review last episode, you had stated it was, quote, a little much. I'm sorry. It was extremely rude. I don't think it was rude. Uh, it sounded funny in my no, head. No, no, no. We're not reading this poor fellow's apology. We're not? No, there's no reason to apologize, Ute fan Chad. You're great. <laughs> we love your review. I don't even remember saying it was a little much. It was tremendous. You're when great. We, when, we were, we were picking the, when we were picking the winners, it was like pretty... I think it might have been a little much in that, like, I don't know, we were done reading the reviews by then or something. Who knows? Don't worry yeah. about it. It was fine? Okay. Uh, well, he says he loves the show. Humor is hilarious, and your analysis is spot on. The best sports podcast out there. I listen to your podcast at work, and I'm totally that guy that randomly laughs out loud when no one else in my work can hear what I'm listening to. Thank you for your work and dedication, you fan, Chad. Thanks, you fan, Chad. You're the man. You're the man, Chad. You're great. Yeah. Don't even don't even give it a second. Yeah, yeah, that. don't. Yeah, you can insult us. I think it was uh, just doing the like the winning part. You know. Oh, this next one is from Danny. So he's uh, given us that same review um, that I read a little okay. bit. Ago. So, okay, so we don't have yeah. to go that one again. Thank uh, you, Danny. All right. Uh, Pac-12 South, equal, this is from Bobby. Pac-12 South, equally as bad as the North week one. Yikes. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, the, the the North, we didn't even talk about that in the beginning. Like, the North shit the bed week one. The South shit the bed week two. Pretty simple. That's what we do. That's what we do here in the Pac-12. We poop in beds. <laughs> uh, this is from Hugh Janus. Uh, USC sucks. Uh, dear Ryan and Dave, oh my God, what a great weekend of college football. Nothing better than watching USC get crushed at home by powerhouse Stanford and their incredible coach, David Shaw. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Only one question. Who will be USC's next head coach after Gomer Helton is fired? Chris Peterson? Luke Fickle? Some old Trojan from the 70s? I hear John Robinson is available, or better yet, Paul Buddy Hackett. Your pal, Hugh Janus, P.S. Go Bruins and FSC. Uh, yeah, John Robinson, um, that was the one, like, that was the thing I think that truly put my tweet over the top of, like, this is beautiful when yeah. I included his name in the list. Because uh, <laughs> I actually had to Google to make sure that he was still alive. Yes, uh, he's, he's down at LSU. Like, Dude is 86 years old. Uh, yes. John Robinson, three, like, do it again. Bring it back. Bring the whole team back together. Third That'd time's a charm. Uh, we, you know, we didn't bring up Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian. That's not fun. That's not as fun. No, the fun, no? the fun ones are still like Jeff Fisher, 
Jack Del Rio, John Robinson, Norm Chow, like real, like the one that was really, I think, messing with people's heads was when I did the Clancy Pendergast one. Yeah. Like, I think that one messed with people because it's like, oh, you could actually kind of squint and see that one happening. Like (laughs) if they missed on a bunch of dudes, he knows the fight song. He's got some supporters in Heritage Hall. Like you could see that one happening if you don't really know the whole situation. He didn't recruit at all. He like, didn't yeah. recruit at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is maybe Fox should have shown. Turn to the U.S. Fox had like some great games. They did. I think Oregon. Ohio State, and then it went right into like Colorado, Texas A&M. Then they did 9-11 Yankees-Mets, but it was like in the sixth inning when the USC-Stanford game was supposed to start, so they didn't really plan that. They tried to cram too much in there, so I think the first half of the game was all on FS1. Um, but he said, so Frank, Frank in Sacramento said, or maybe a truck race. Uh, USC stinks and needs a new coach and quarterback. I'll swallow hard and root for UCLA this year and contemplate the theory that you build a team in the transfer uh frank seems a little distraught but you got rid of your coach frank so you're okay you should be happy frank come on yeah uh this one's short to trees gentlemen is stanford still ass blessings from matthew um i i still think so but we'll see i mean i i think they're ass i think they're ass yeah i i feel like this was a david shaw out of body experience in this this game um, he just did things that weren't very David Shaw like. So, but we'll see. Like, I mean, they they looked a little feistier. But I don't look at that roster and go, "Wow, look at that! Look at those playmakers!" Like their their best, uh, you know, wasn't their best running back that had that 87 yard touchdown run. The receiver that was torching USC was like a former walk on that went to like Harvard to start or some crap, some crap like that. I mean, it's. I don't think this is a great team. So we'll I, through a 12 game schedule. I think by the end you might go, "Okay, I see it. Their ass." All right. This is from Derek from Redondo Beach. Question for Ryan and Dave, I guess, on the POC. I listened to your emergency podcast. You talked about not firing Helton right away. Let me take you. Let me take the other side here for a moment. Wouldn't removing Helton right away and naming an interim uh, head coach potentially be a catalyst for the team to rebound? Beyond that, it would unite the fan base. Fans would be more likely to attend games and get fully behind the team because they don't need to hope the team loses for a coaching change anymore. It would be much more fair to the kids to not have the fans rooting against them for the future. It just seems so obvious we'd be one big Trojan family again. Here's the super bonus. Chip could add Clay Helton to his analyst pool to go along with the other SC coaches he's hired. It's a win for everyone. Hey, Derek. Uh, it's funny. And I, I never said on the emergency podcast, now this was at three in the morning, so I could have said anything. Um, I never said he shouldn't be fired. I've said he should be fired for the last three years. Sometimes when you say like, I don't think he's going to be fired. People think, oh, that's what he wants or whatever. It's like, no, I'm just telling you, yes, he was justified firing him three years ago. You could fire him at any point from three years ago till, you know, two days ago when they did fire him. I just didn't think they would. So the fact that they pulled the trigger was pretty impressive. And and you're, and you're he's actually right. Um, as far as bringing the fan base together, like I've never seen, it's been a while, David, since I've seen this many people like on the same page on the parastyle, on the message boards, you know, and um, we did a live show. We had like five times the normal number of people uh, on the show. People had really checked out. They were just so over Clay Helton. And it just seems like this is now bringing people back into the fold. So um, it's good. It's good to see it. I mean, I, 
I like to see when fans are are excited and not like just fighting over everything. So it's kind of nice. Nah, not so much. Yeah, you like that. Well, they don't even like show up. Like it's not like if they're all there, but everyone's complaining or they're arguing. That's one thing. But when they become apathetic and just like check out and they're not on your site anymore, that's you know. Well, no, not- we don't we don't like that for business. Come on. Right, that's bad for business. But like, just as a fan base, it's kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I've I've been through it a time or two in both the basketball and football sides for UCLA. Yeah. Uh, I think you're next, right? Or did I do that? Or I did just you do- read that. Oh, okay. What the hell is this? Faber. I mean, I, is this like? Oh, Jesus, come look, on! I, I don't right? even. Want, it looks like it's in a mirror. Like, <laughs> the, like put a mirror up to that and see if it makes um, sense. Every man is the artifacts of his destiny. Okay. Uh, Hithaday says, "Whom do you boys think Oregon should hire after Mario Cristobal? The final, the, the finest minds in Pac-12 commentary keep telling me he's about to be fired, he can't coach, or that he's going to be hired away by more prestigious programs. So surely the Ducks will be on the market soon. Do you suppose any of the other Pac-12 coaches would be a good fit for the job? Okay, Hithaday, I'm going to ask you to put your mind in the body." of a UCLA fan circa, I don't know, the road win over Nebraska in 2013. And that's where you are right now in the Mario Cristobal cycle. And I'm very happy for you. It was a fun time for me as well. Your hope in this situation has to be that Mario Cristobal doesn't have some serious personal failings uh, that prevent him from being a longtime Oregon coach. Because if he's just Jim Mora without, um, you know, some of the baggage, then you're going to have a good time for a while. It's going to be great. Um, But that's the hope there. Uh, yeah, Cristobal's fine. I don't think he's a great in-game head coach, but maybe you don't really need that in college football. Maybe it's more just about acquiring a bunch of talent and then doing what you got to do. Um, but yeah, he's fine. I don't, I don't know who said he would be fired. Um, this is more of a, like, did you think he's great? I mean, he's been a a really good recruiter. He's going to do the ad absurdum. Um, you know, he's just, he's trying to make it seem like we were asking for that, but we weren't asking for that. Where, now, this is funny. Um, it, you're a pretty good person to ask, and I, I kind of want to do this. There, like it or not, there's a hierarchy in college football. Um, like in most things, there's a hierarchy. If, you know, TCU's beat Texas for like seven of the last nine years, but if Texas wanted TCU's coach, you would leave and go to Texas, you know? Um when you're talking about someone that's like, hey, well, we're better right now and blah, 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 that doesn't necessarily matter. Like, so if USC really wanted Mario Cristobal, there's certainly, like, you can't just say, no, he'd never leave. You, you're better off at Oregon. Like, I, I think that's just, I, I think John no, Cazano but- said that, and which just doesn't make sense. Not that it would work. But there's still a hierarchy, and it doesn't matter it's that it's not Oregon's just a hierarchy. Work. I think what 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 it would be is that it's a realistic enough thing that Cristobal would get a raise out of it. Um, yes. But I don't think he's leaving Oregon for USC because he's turned Oregon into a, a, a program that uh, can recruit at that level. Like he's already done it, um, and the advantage of USC is it gets easier, I guess. Like it's easier to do it down there than it is up in Eugene. Um, but he's already doing it there. Um, so I think the, the difference right now is pretty marginal for him specifically. I think if you're talking about the job generally, um, for coach X, obviously USC is going to be a more desirable job, but for Cristobal, who's already built the, or 
inherited or whatever you want to call it, uh, the recruiting apparatus there. Um, I don't think it's actually a, a thing where you can realistically assume he's just going to jump at the chance to go to USC. Um, that said, I think it, it might be different if it was like Alabama. Like if Alabama, when Nick Saban is done, they want to go after Mario Cristobal, then then that, that might be a different deal um, because yeah. then you're getting access to essentially uh, playoff berths every year on top of the already fertile recruiting ground. Um but no, I mean, I, I, I think what you're saying is right. I, I don't know if it makes sense for Oregon at this stage and their head coach. But like if you're talking about, uh, I don't know, go back to the Kyle Whittingham thing. Um, Kyle Whittingham's doing, uh, I don't know, about peak performance at Utah. But if USC came calling 10 years ago and, you know, he was wired a little bit differently, then it would be an obvious move. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're right. But I, I think with Cristobal, maybe not dead on. Yeah, I think that the problem for Cristobal would be you're crushing Southern California recruiting right now. But if USC has a head coach with a pulse, would that continue? That's uh, the... your constant uh, denigration of my, <laughs> my boy play Helton uh, will not stand. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to like, I, I do like clay. Like I like him as a person and stuff. I think he's, can people lives... stop saying that? Can people stop saying that? Why? Like, okay, yeah, I mean, not to get all, like, Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross, but, like, nice guy who gives a shit. Um, he makes sure. $5 million a year to be the head coach of a football team. Right. I mean, you gotta just... these guys are glorified gym teachers. They should be nice guys. They should be nice as shit to everyone they ever meet because <laughs> the entire reason they're getting paid a lot of money is because these people are really interested in what they're doing. Yes, be a nice guy. Why is that credit for these people? No. Because there's so many that aren't, I guess. Um, but I would love to like have a drink with him or something at some point. Just be like, "What the fuck?" You know. And then, and it would be awesome if he was like, "Man, you wrote some shit about me. I was pissed off." Like it would be cool to just have like a just a conversation like that. See? But I wish him the best. I don't know what he's going to do next. But like David said, he made a ton of money. Uh, I'm guessing the buyout is like twelve to fifteen million dollars. Yeah, so, no, dude, just sit around for a while. You don't yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have coach brain. He should go just sit around for a while. Yeah. All right, this is from our man John and Brea. Gutty little Trojans. Ooh, I love it. Uh dear Ryan and Dave, since my Bruins had a well deserved bye week, I kicked back on Saturday for what I thought would be a relaxing day of watching college football. Then the game started. This is what makes college football so amazing. Whether you played college football, Booger, Matt, Kirk, looked great on the sideline, Bruce Feldman or simply just made yourself into an expert because it was either that or working retail, every podcaster. <laughs> it's clear that nobody knows anything about anything. It was shaping up to be a great day to be a Bruin with the Pac-12 looking strong early until they didn't. And to top things off, the nightmare happened. USC took one of the biggest dumps in the Coliseum since every other time Stanford has beaten them in L.A., which means this surely could be the end of the Clay Helton era. Say it ain't so. Having an unranked USC at the end of the year isn't going to help UCLA's playoff resume. Thanks a ton, gutty little Trojans. Not to mention Utah losing to BYU as Mormons everywhere chanted Big 12, Big 12, Big 12, and Washington clearly looking like the rowing school that they are. Damn, John. <laughs> Question, are there any quality wins left on the Bruins' schedule? Thanks, and go Bruins, John and Brea. Great email, John. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's down to basically Oregon, right? That's that's a quality so. one left and potentially ASU. Um, we'll see. We'll see what USC can end up doing, what they can salvage here in the post Clay Hilton era. Um, yeah, this one, there's a text. There's a picture of like a Kermit the Frog looking at a phone. 
Yeah, so there's the picture of the frog looking at the throne, doing the kind of like goggle-eyed look, and then it's a picture of 42-13 Stanford's lead in the fourth quarter, and then Kermit the Frog hugging the phone. Oh, nice. Okay, so this was a series of uh, of yeah. text, like sort of memes. Maybe not the format. I mean, that's more of a tweet kind of thing, but... Let us not try to translate the uh, voicemails, because these, these are going to be hard to figure out. Is it going to be tough? Yes. Uh, okay, so sorry just, if you... Let me, read, let me read the first sentence for you. Just, I guess, my to the point, but this Jonathan offense went into the sun thinking tomorrow. Okay, so that's going to be tough to... Uh... And what were added then are offices up to remedial coaching classes or something because it stinks. It's been punked all season at the line of scrimmage. It is so embarrassing to watch. I am so distressed and embarrassed as a Husky fan right now with Jimmy. You know, promised us an LSU type offense when we got what we got the offense all right. We just got the Les Miles version so that the Joe Brady version from 2019 get it together, Lake, because it's coaching malpractice, and I speak for Husky fans everywhere. We are tired and sick and tired of seeing this shit every freaking Saturday. It together gives an office outworks, call plays in a manner that makes sense. Thanks for attending my tent. <laughs> Thanks for attending my tent. Uh, that was I think you got the gist of it. I think it's an angry Washington man. <laughs> <laughs> I think he likes the way the offense is developed. So far, and just need some time. Uh, Donovan <laughs> will get there. That's that's the feeling I got. I don't know. Thank you uh, for attending his tent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want me to do Zach's, or you got oh, it? Sure, go ahead. All right, true or false? Hey, Ryan and Dave, what a weekend of college football. Let's play true or false. Uh, SUC's flight in the fourth quarter against a uh, fight in the fourth quarter against Stanford shows the never quit. Fight on culture that Clay Helton is developing, and he should immediately be given an extension with a raise and make a buyout. True. True. Absolutely 100% true. He should be rehired immediately. Yes. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but true for that. That was a great fight in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, UCLA and Oregon's marquee non-conference wins are more a result of them being underrated rather than Ohio State and LSU being underrated. Uh, of them being underrated? Are they, does he mean Oregon's now at number four and UCLA yeah. is 13? I don't so know. I would say false. Does he mean that Ohio State and LSU were overrated? Is Maybe. that what he's? Yeah. I think that's what he's trying to say. Um, I guess false, but it's very confusing. Very confusing. Stanford is still not very good. True. True. Uh, Stanford actually being good with Tanner McKee and David Shaw going with Jack West is the most David Shaw thing David Shaw could ever do. True. True. <laughs> Uh, Washington is an actively bad football team that will be lucky to get to a bowl game. True. True. 11 points is way too many for UCLA to be favored against Fresno State. We False. certainly hope not. Yeah, False. We picked UCLA, so yeah. Carl Durrell is still Carl Durrell. Uh, I, I'm going to abstain. Like, if, if, if Colorado is good this year, I'm going to give Carl, Carl Durrell a ton of credit. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go true because um, it was very derailed to play that very, very competitive game. And actually, I was a little surprised they didn't pull it out in the end because, you know, that non-conference game, big time game at home. That was usually his uh, his bread and butter um, back in UCLA days. So I'll say true. That would have been a big one for I mean, not just the conference, but college football. That's like you get yeah. those. You know, just LSU losing certainly helps, right? Because they were like, LSU could be bad, but they're like 4-0. And they're like, oh, they're number eight, you know? And like, Texas A&M was already number five. And like, you lose to Colorado, um, you can't stay up there, you know? Especially if Colorado finishes like 6-6 six and six or something like that. Um, 
that would have been a big result. And uh, that it, that was the most disappointing one to me. Like, beating TCU, Cal, that's fine. But there was a real shot there for Colorado to win that damn game. They led the whole the whole way. Um, so that, that was disappointing. So that, that's another reason I'm going to pick against Colorado, because they, they blew it. Um, all right. This is our buddy Tor. The most USC thing ever? Question. Uh, hi, Ryan. Hi, Dave. He gives each a separate hi. I like that. Uh, Ryan and Dave. Which of the following would be the most USC thing to do? All right. I think some of these aren't going to be in a play anymore. But one, keep Clay Helton all season long. Learn to love his big, cuddly, Teletubby presence all, <laughs> all over again and retain him for 2022. <laughs> uh, it was a, I, I think that was a very USC thing to do. But <laughs> B, fire Helton soon and promote a mostly flummoxed Graham Harrell to run the team. C, fire Helton soon and promote a completely flummoxed Todd Orlando <laughs> to run the team. D, keep Helton until the end of the season, fire him, and go with Lane Kiffin 2.0 as their next, quote, splash hire. And E, some other scenario where they actually make a responsible and respectable hire. Uh, the most spiritually true, I think, will end up being D. They didn't actually keep Helton until the end of the season, but you could absolutely see Lane Kiffin 2.0 as the next splash hire. Yeah, that would be a pretty good one. Uh, it says, also, Ryan, do you get any sense that Bone had a thoughtful pivot plan uh, mapped out going into the season should the need to fire Clay Helton arise before the end of the campaign? Uh, yeah, obviously, they had a plan in place because they, they pulled the trigger pretty quickly. And he didn't uh, tarmac him. He actually waited until the Monday. He waited and he, you know, let him address the, the players in the in the team meeting and stuff. Uh, I'm still surprised that didn't get out, but um, kudos for them for doing that. And then keep on doing the thing that you do better than anybody else that's not trying to do what you do, <laughs> Tor. <laughs> Good email, Tor. Uh, this is from uh, James. Uh, hey, guys. James from PHX here. I hope you can appreciate my USC loss porn meme. R.I.P. Clay Helton. Dave, I am a longtime Sun Devil fan, and I know the feeling all too well of ASU getting a big win early in the season, only to come out the next game and lay a total egg, ending all excitement before it really ever gets started. See 2019-18, uh, number 18 Michigan State leading into Colorado. It seems like UCLA is in a major letdown spot here versus a gritty Fresno State team. Do the Bruins have a history of letdown games? I don't know if it's um, like something that's like memeable. Um, like, what is it? Is Washington the letdown school? What's the what's the one with the big letdowns? Is that Clemson? I don't know. Clemson uh, was a thing. Cooging it was a thing. UCLA certainly had letdowns over the years. Um, I don't know that it's a, a particularly notable thing. But, yeah, I mean, this is a major letdown potential. Um, I think having the bye week previous to it helps a lot um, to kind of refocus. I think if it came just the week after LSU, you'd have real potential that guys celebrated too hard or whatever after the LSU game. Um, but... My guess is that their heads will be screwed on right. But, yeah, no, it's it's going to factor into my preview. Like, it's going to factor into what I write about it because it's natural. It's human um, to maybe be a little bit less focused for Fresno State than you were for LSU. Yeah. Um, we've definitely seen some. Dave, you've been let down many times where you get you get your hopes up. Uh, this is a perfect season for that. And for, that would be a great spot, right? Losing to Fresno State here. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, that would that would uh yeah, that would send me into a uh, different <laughs> different different sort of uh Twitter tirade. <laughs> Which would all be fun, but it's good. I like I like seeing the the happy Dave, but then they like emotionally crush Dave after getting his hopes up when he would never let his hopes get, you know, that high. It's fun both ways. Fun too. <laughs> it's, I think I'm winning either way in this one. So this is good. Uh, I think this voicemail might be readable. Um Hey guys, this is uh, 
to Evan from Tempe. I was originally not going to watch any more USC games the rest of the season uh, or just general. I think Clay Helton is going to be the coach. Obviously, he just got fired. So he wants to know what the expectations are um, for USC the rest of the year. Um, let's see. He said, yeah, this is this is kind of hard. Uh, but I maybe we'd go into that, like the, what the expectations are for the rest of the year. None. Um, they have none. Zero. Zero expectations. They can do whatever the fuck they want on the field. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I think if you're Dante Williams, you're trying to build a resume, you know, if you can, you know, but it, you you go eight and two or something in your last 10 games. And that's, that's going to be something like maybe you get a head coaching job somewhere else. I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, it's, it's good for him. I'm mean, certainly the players, there's a lot of season left, so they could still make some kind of run uh, if they just rally around Dante Williams. But I, you just think week in and week out, it's going to be hard to keep that up. You know, it's still 10 games. You know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities, but, you got to do a lot of stuff right for 10 weeks in a row, which, you know, with a brand new coach and stuff, that, that could be tough. Yep. All right, I'll read this next voicemail. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Burke. You know the breaking news today. I hope him getting fired. Quick questions, quick two questions for Ryan. I was wondering, you know, just kind of what the timing of the wages firing today. If the timing of the firing surprised you at all compared to the link hip and one which you know you were surprised by, if you were surprised by the timing of any of them, and also, I was just wage what the timing of firing quite healthy midseason was that. Do you, <laughs> do you think it was more so because they just wanted to try and save the season or do you think it was more? So I'm just for recruiting classes so they could maybe salvage recruiting office. will be forward. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I love that you just read it literally instead of trying to figure out what it was, um, which I just like kind of get the gist of the question to move on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, timing is definitely, it, it was basically like they were going to fire him unless he did something great. And then once he did something awful, you're like, okay, we don't need to wait any longer. Uh, Dante Williams will help with the recruiting class. They got a couple five-star guys and like a highly ranked four-star guy, Devin Brown, the quarterback, um, committed. And they've all said that they're staying with their commitment. Um, Dante Williams is really popular with everybody, but you know, you bring in a new coach if they don't retain Williams or, uh, you know, people can leave if you get, you know, there's people that like certain coaches and if they get fired, there's a lot that's going to happen, um, you know, attrition wise when you make a coaching change. Every team's going to have attrition anyway. Coaching change, there's going to be a lot, but you can actually make up for some of it in the transfer portal too. bringing transfers in from the school you are at, like your best players, you can do that now. So it's, you know. I don't think recruiting is going to be affected all that much, but you, it's going to depend on how the team plays for the rest of the season and then, um, you know, who the new coach is and all of that. So I think there's still a lot of TBD there. Uh, this is Pac-12 Chaos from our buddy Paul, who's also known as Webfoot. Uh, hello, champions. I have some quick true or false questions for you to ponder, but first a joke about the Huskies. John Donovan. <laughs> It's a very yeah. funny joke, Paul. Yeah, this is a very good joke. I, I wasn't sure where the where it was going in the beginning, but then I got the punchline kind of hit me a little later. It was like a yeah, yeah. like aftertaste. Yeah, it was good. Beautiful. Uh, anyways, here we go. True or false? The Pac-12 championship game will be UCLA versus Oregon. True. I'm gonna go true. Yeah, looks like it right now. BYU is the third best team in the Pac-12. Ooh. False. False. Well. Yeah, they're number uh, kinda, two this, at least. This, this weekend's game is going to determine it. <laughs> They're at least number two. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> right? They I mean, they've, cer- they've certainly got a pretty good Pac-12 record right now. How did we not put them in our POC? <laughs> we did screw up. We, we are up dumb. Badly. Like, why are we so dumb? Shouldn't we be smarter than this? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Pac-12 makes the playoffs in 2021. Ooh, Oregon actually has a chance now. I think so because of that Ohio State win. Yeah. Um, True? I think I'm going to go true. I'm going to give, like, Klyavkov, like, some credit here. Like, he's just going to, like, I'm not saying he did anything, you know. He's going to murder several members of the committee and make this happen. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Like, Ukrainian mob or something. Yeah, and so 9-3 and Oregon. Wow, they made it. Weird. Is Uh, he even Ukrainian? I don't know. I'm not sure. Klyavkov? I mean, that's Eastern Europe. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere over there. Yeah. USC is not the only Pac-12 school to fire their coach before the end of the regular season. True. True. Yeah, there's there's some good candidates out there. Maybe uh, maybe this weekend will determine one of them. Maybe the uh, the the school of the fired coach can uh, take it to the uh, other school that should fire their coach. The Chaos Bowl. Yeah. Thanks, thanks to Ryan Leaf. Uh, USC will hire Jimmy Lake as their head coach. <laughs> I'm sorry. USC will hire Jimmy Lake as their head coach. Washington will promote John Donovan to their head coach, and Nick Rolovich ends up working at an Arby's in Pullman. False, but spiritually true. Yes, I, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Uh, please bring on an interim again. Really, y'all need adult supervision. I'm sorry, an interim. It's intern. Okay, an intern again. I was interim has been on my brain. Yeah, yeah. Bring on an intern again. I've tried. Uh, really need y'all. Uh, you y'all need adult supervision, Paul Webfoot. I really, I actually texted Bree the last couple shows to see if she'd come out. She's got like class or something and like track practice or whatever. But um, I spoke at a, a USC like sports business kind of class at USC a couple weeks ago and Bree was in it. She was in the class. So um, it was good to see her. They actually won a national championship while she was there. So that's cool. Beautiful. Um, but yeah, we'll try to get her on uh, to come and help us out. Great. Yeah. All right, this is from Alfred. Alfred, uh, is Carl the new Clay? Hi, guys. Is Carl Durrell the same as Clay Hilton? Both are known to be very nice guys. Both have a very calm, sideline demeanor. And both cannot maximize the talent on their team. I don't know who to blame more for the piss-poor offensive production, Carl or O.C. Darren Chavarini. Hopefully, the offensive coaches can figure it the fuck out because that defense could be special this year. Landman deserves better. Keep up the mediocre work, Alfred. P.S., I feel for you, Ryan, because I can only imagine how insufferable Dave is to be around these days. Yes. Um, it's totally fine. Come on. I'm great. I'm wonderful. Uh, I would yeah. go there, but it's fine. You know? I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm a top-tier human. Uh, Alfred, um, this was my concern with Carl um, uh, coming into the Colorado job. His offensive bona fides are, um, for lack of a better term, dog shit. Uh, <laughs> has has done nothing but exclusively terrible offenses outside of, I think, one year of Tom Cable in 2005 at UCLA, where he very literally had Mercedes Lewis at tight end, who is still to this day playing in the NFL. Mercedes Lewis has had a 15-year tight end career in the NFL, which is basically unheard of. And, oh yeah, Maurice Jones-Drew um, also in that backfield who, you know, was a very good running back. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that offense had some talent, um, and they still had to make these insane comebacks at the end of the games where uh, they would basically throw out the playbook and just kind of draw plays on their hands. 
So I guess my point is, no, his offenses have been exclusively bad. The hope, my hope coming into uh, his tenure at Colorado is that he had learned that about himself and was just going to be more of a CEO type, um, you know, executive, that sort of thing. So I don't know exactly who to blame, but if the offense is getting worse and not better under a head coach, you blame the head coach no matter who the OCs are. Yeah. Um, wait, both those guys played for UCLA? <laughs> Weren't they like the best players at like Southern California powerhouses like Long Beach Poly? Well, or Northern California, like De La Salle, like UCLA uh-huh. doesn't get those guys, right? That they, they don't, they used to recruit those guys sometimes or? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, they sure did. They sure did. And so much I, winning to show for it, too. Uh, I think Carl was 35 and 27 at UCLA in those five years uh, playing with. I think UCLA had literally the number one class in the nation in 2001, 2002. Uh, yeah. I mean, those were, yeah. Yeah. Those were uh, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's take us back to the late 90s and early aughts where all hope was uh, burned out of uh, UCLA fandom. Maurice Jones, Jones Drew was De La Salle, right? He played yeah, at De La Salle. Yeah, yeah. He very much was. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were really good back then. Yes. De La Salle. They yeah, won sure a were. game. So, sure so you said like really did recruit those guys before? Like that yeah. was a thing? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the best players in California, they would go after them and, and like you're offer trying, them scholarships? You're, you're trying to make up for what has been three and a half days <laughs> of just spitting hot fire on Twitter. And I'm not going to let you, Ryan. I'm not going to let you do it. All right, this is hashtag rehire Clay Helton. This will be more up your alley. Uh, prediction. At the end of the season when Stanford wins the Rose Bowl, USC will realize that a blowout loss to Stanford was completely justified, nay, expected, and will rehire Helton to get USC back on track to continue their impressive momentum in rebuilding. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, there's no other choice if USC football wants to return to the glory that it once was. Um I, real quick, if you're like Mike Bone or Brandon Soth, like you're like the athletic directors that have been behind, you know, that basically have had to keep them around for a while. When everyone's just making jokes about who your head coach was as of like 48 hours ago, do you think that makes them like it bothers them? Like it's like it's not even just like a angry fans. It's like opponents fans like making jokes about it, like how bad your the head coach is. That must bother them. I would, I would think. think it would bother them at some level. I think they, it would, they would treat it as like further justification that they did the right thing, but also it would be like bothersome. Like, cause honestly, bone should have fired him right when he got on the job. Yeah. 2019. Uh, the fact that he didn't is actually a bit of a black mark against them. He's let them, you know, he, he's, he's let this go on a little too long, a little longer than it needed to. So I think he's he's got to own a little bit of it too. It's not like he just came in and did this. He it took him too much time. Um, he should have done it earlier. So yeah, I mean, I, I think they may be a little sheepish about it. Yeah, I would think it's the, you know, and we've heard there was definitely circumstances that wouldn't allow that. But well, I, I'm sure you did. But it, but I've whatever. I've told them like, dude, you just had to do it. Like I don't care what the circumstances are. Like this was the thing to do. But. It, then it ends up being stuff like this, which they're all very funny. So thank you for that one, Dev. Um, but he says, until then, how would you rank the five most recent head coaches, interim included? Feel free to use whatever criteria you like, so long as Clay Helton is number one. <laughs> um, uh, Pete Carroll, Lane Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, Steve Sarkeesian, and Clay Helton. All right, so it's it's Pete. Then I got to go Ed O, right? I think so. And then Sark, and then Kiffin, and then Helton? Or maybe even maybe even make Kiffin last. I, 
Because Helton won a Rose Bowl. I mean, I, I joke about that a lot, but he did win a Rose Bowl. <laughs> he won the yeah conference once, um, and he won a Rose Bowl. Yeah, so maybe go. Giffen got in a fight at the Sun Bowl or whatever and got punched in the eye. He Sark embarrassed. Got drunk. Yeah, I mean, Kiffin and Sark both embarrassed the school. Sark at least like was running a like halfway competent program before he you know went under. Um, I don't know. Helton might be third. It might be Sark and Kiffin both at the bottom for various yeah, embarrassments, which tells how bad, the, yeah, how bad things were. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, not good. Uh, and what? How many of them were interims? Like. Yeah, a bunch of them. Okay. <laughs> All right, and this is from Eric and Sun Devil Country. Uh, Clay Helton isn't the glitch. Hi, guys. I'm sorry the original email fell flat since I apparently picked the Disney Princess movie you haven't seen, but I have an update, and then I'll drop it. After Monday's announcement that USC had terminated Coach Helton, I've been mainlining USC content. Ryan, during one of your sleep-deprived rants, you referred to the situation that once someone has the power, they'll do say whatever it takes to stay in power. Applying that logic to my previous Wreck-It Ralph scenario... It appears that Clay is not, in fact, the glitch, but actually King Candy, who dies at the hands of Ralph, David Shaw, in a Diet Coke Mentos explosion. Please just watch the movie and have a chuckle. Thanks again for all your coverage of this mediocre conference we call home. I will endeavor to watch that movie, Eric. It's, it's funny. Eric's like, you know, I know you guys haven't watched the movie, so let me make another reference to the movie. Like, okay. It's going to be really funny to you in, like, seven years when you watch that movie. <laughs> I'm going to be in an airplane somewhere. And I was like, oh, I better watch this movie because Eric and uh, Sun Devil Country wanted me to. Um, is this me? Okay, so a text message. Uh, an epoch came at an end on Monday. We will remember the good times while they lasted. The question now is, what's next for Dave? How can he continue to troll USC fans without Clay Helton as coach? These are important questions that need to be answered. I think he's done that. Follow his Twitter account. You can yeah, see. Yeah, come on. So, all right. So I've done it now um, uh, since the firing. But, like, I was there tweeting. I was on these Twitter streets when Sarkeesian was hired, when Sarkeesian blew up, when Ed O was blowing up, when Clay Helton was hired. I've been here. I've been on these streets. Like, you merely inherited the USC trolling. I was born in it, molded by it. Um, I can do this in my sleep. I can do this forever. I would say I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older. I would say the the, the trolling now comes more naturally to me. It's um, maybe got even layers to it, like a little bit of satire built in there. Like, look, when I'm tweeting about Dante Williams, I'm talking about how can you not decide to salvage that top 30 recruiting class? Because that's funny because it's a dig on two levels, right? Because right. I'm digging them for potentially keeping the interim tag and, and keeping the interim head coach. But I'm also digging them for they've got a joke of a recruiting class. It's a top 30 class because they're dog shit under Clay Elton. <laughs> and it's funny on two levels. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I'm just I'm, I'm like a I'm like a painter getting better with age. Like I am painting my Sistine Chapel right now. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to paint more frescoes. Yeah, you got a whole line of frescoes we're waiting. To oh my god, I've got a I've got a shelf full of them. <laughs> All right, um, this is from Anthony. In your opinion, would Chase Garbers be the number one quarterback at USC or UCLA? Uh, I mean, he'd be number one, two, and three. Obviously, I, mean, like, I think he'd, he'd be number one at every every school in the country. I mean, frankly, I, I think half the NFL teams. So yeah, no, I mean half. Why are you stopping there? I mean, outside of, like, Mahomes, I think he would be the starter everywhere in the NFL. And, frankly, I think he'd give Mahomes a run for his money. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
My Mahomes didn't look NFL, that great. You put him in the NFL tomorrow, and here's what you're going to say. In 22 years, he's had a career better than Tom Brady. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he'll be doing Subway commercials. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. He's Chase Garbers, the man, the myth, the legend. He'll have two supermodel wives, not just one. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's the stud. MVP. Um, they're going to win a game here real soon, I bet. Oh, I, I bet. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I think that's it. Yeah, thank God. Holy crap, Ola. Uh, where are we at here? We are oh, over two hours. Perfect. Natural. Um, without any sound effects. That's just us. That's just us talking, people. Like that's Me and Dave talking for two hours without a break. We did break, but the, like, our break's really like five seconds, we just say. There's it's break, literally us start. making the noise and then us going silent, and then we're back. Then we start talking again. So it's not like we stop. We don't edit. It, it just baffles me where people are like, okay, we recorded an hour show. It's going to take me like eight hours to edit it and all that stuff. It's like, hell no. Put it right spending, up. First, I'm not spending that kind of time. And second, <laughs> second, I'm not <laughs> listening to my own voice that much. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> so if we say something dumb, it just stays there, which not if. We always say something dumb. Um, well, let's see, David. Will Stanford be butt? Is Colorado going to be good? Is UCLA going to cover the point spread? I, I don't know. Uh, we should know more after this, what looks like a really crappy week of, <laughs> of games. Oh, yeah. So, uh, good stuff. Well, that's David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.